It's time for Inside the Gamecocks, the show with Phil Mullinax and J.C. Sherbert. So, how many of you would say you speak English fairly well, but with some difficulty? Fat, drunk, and stupid is no way to go through life, sir. You play to win the game. Now, let's take it away, J.C. and Phil. All right. <clears throat> Excuse me. Inside the Gamecocks, the show. JC Sherbert here with you. It's a hump day. Phil Mullinax. As if, well, we may have some new uh, tuners in because uh, I've uh, I've been looking at the numbers. They've been uh, big this week, growing, growing up uh, big this week. So thanks to all of you that tune in live each and every day. Thanks to all of you also. Uh, and that's kind of a bigger audience still that listen in podcast form. We uh, we don't care when you listen, just listen, you know. That's right. <laughs> uh, so we, we certainly want to give a shout out to all of our loyal listeners. This thing's growing each and every day. Uh, it's probably one of the better things I've done professionally in a while, as things stand right now. Uh, and you guys know do you guys know that I do uh, a lot of things. So we'll start off by saying, um, just want to say if, if you guys, any of you out there, are people of faith. I've had a couple of friends that have gone through a, an extremely hard time lately. Uh, I'm not going to get into any details or anything, but uh, just say a prayer for them. Uh, bad things happen in this world, but uh, just, uh, you know, say a prayer. I know there's power in that and all that good stuff. So I uh, just wanted to get that uh, out of the way and just to tell you guys that, uh, you know, th- these two people are big Gamecocks. And, uh, you know, even if they weren't, uh, you, you, you know, you, you always – have that sense of humanity and spirituality that I think goes a long way when people are having a hard time. You can almost feel the comfort uh, coming through, um, you know, to a certain extent when, you know, people are lifting you up in prayer or just having good thoughts about you if you're not a praying person. All right. Nana's Force chat box. Before I get to that, there is some news. Jared has the news right away. Uh, so I guess in 2019, and this went over like a lead balloon, like some things uh, when it comes to the University of South Carolina's marketing at the university level, uh, the U of SC, <laughs> uh, it, it, it's gone. It's gone the day of the, the way of the dodo bird South Carolina announced today. They're going back to Carolina, South Carolina, University of South Carolina, USC. Uh, don't, don't, we're going to, we're going to sunset. The U of SC is what they said. And I, I'm kind of happy about that. I never liked, you know, it, it seemed like they were kind of bowing down to Southern California. And, uh, you know, to, uh, I, I have a lot of respect and admiration for Southern Cal. Kind of, if I lived out there, I'd probably be a Trojans fan, to be honest with you, not a Bruin, but, uh, and definitely not a Cal Bear or a Stanford tree. Um, you know, heck, I'd rather pull for the Aztecs than those teams. But, uh, <laughs> but, 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 you know, they've made a big – Southern Cal's made a huge deal out of this. They can't stop South Carolina from using it. Uh, it's just kind of a like – I don't know. It, it seems like a pointless kind of legal type of situation or whatever. Uh, they never were able to make Carolina not use it, including the baseball logo that they got pissed off about. Yeah. Uh, so, hell with them. <laughs> you know, going back to using it. Uh, you know, this school was founded in 1801. I think that's before California was a state. Yep. So, uh, you know, just go jump in a hole, Trojans. <laughs> you California weirdos. Anyway, uh, <laughs> now, I actually, I, I like a lot of Trojans fans. Like I said, I like the school. I just don't necessarily like their legal department. And I'm glad Carolina showed some backbone and said, ah, you know, because U of SC just didn't work. I mean, you, you, the of looked awkward. The logo looked awkward. 
they, it, it was like the of almost was emphasized. I, I you know, bleh. Bleh. yeah, so, like you know, the, you know, I mean, like, yeah, the schools that emphasize the in front of it. I mean, that's, I mean, yeah, yeah the Ohio State. They, yeah, you know, uh, speaking of arrogant, Ohio that, State trademarked the word the, the. Really? How can you? I mean, I was not aware that you could do that, Phil. No. Um, you know, so anyway, that so that's gone. And, you know, you, you got thousands of students during Sandstorm chanting USC, USC, USC. Where's there's no of. Is there? I mean, that would that would ruin Sandstorm if you had to. Ch- yeah. But they say, you know, they'll file a motion. We, you know, like uh, like, OK, dudes, like this is I'm calling for the University of Southern California and I just pooped in my hand and it doesn't stink at all. You know, and I just uh, flagellated, and I've, I've got it saved in a bottle for later. But anyway, like, uh, can you get your, like, uh, I don't know, your students to quit saying USC? Because, you know, like, we're the SC, and we'll take you to court low, like, whoa, like South Carolina. I just didn't even know you people had universities or could read. Oh, you know, oh gosh. Man, it smells so good, like flowers. I can imagine that. U of or USC versus uh, the cockpit in federal court. <laughs> The cockpit. <laughs> I got a cock. I got a, I got a cockpit for them. Yeah. Open wide. <laughs> was that too? That was that bad? I probably shouldn't have said that. Anyway, uh, I was talking about chickens. You know, because yeah, like, like we love we love chicken out here, El Polo Loco, and all that originated in California, like Denny's and stuff. They have chicken. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, thank you, Jared, for bringing that up. Craiger chimes in and goes Spurs up. Let's go. I up. Doc says, good morning from gloomy Western North Carolina. Looking forward to being bowl eligible before November. Yeah, that's, uh, that's going to be – that's an accomplishment. There's like 15 different things they can accomplish by yeah. beating uh, the uh, Missouri Tigers uh, this, this weekend, which, speaking of California schools, that school is probably more similar to a West Coast school <laughs> than an SEC school, as we found out over the years. Uh, Doc says, everybody's sick of these political ads as me. Shoe all – you all suck. Yeah, I think that causes people. Yeah, people talk about voter suppression and stuff, but we're not going to get it out on this show. Obviously, um, I, I think a lot of it's overblown, and, and like as far as the, the things people get mad about. But that's just my take. But uh, I think that causes people not to want to vote. Yeah, creates I a mean, lot of disdain. Like yeah. like your 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 normal run of the mill person that keeps up with politics, sort of kind of watches the news, but you know independent voters, I think that scares off independent voters because no no independent voters are cheering when that happens. Like one side's cheering for one, you know, negative. Oh, yeah, but the independents are like, man, these people are awful. And, and, and I know some people that work in politics that are great people, right? And I know some people that are their friends that I wouldn't pee on if they were on fire. Yeah. Um, Tim Dorn says, blast off. Carolina Titan says, what's up? What's up, Carolina Titan? Uh, Lex says, I listen on Spotify in here uh, when I can. Y'all make my work day go by. Thanks. I hear a lot for a lot, a lot of people, anybody that, uh, you know, people that listen on the podcast and the things usually do like a workout to it. And I'm like, Ooh. well, when we, when we went to two hours, I was like, well, you can get some extra exercise. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that, that's, that's something, something the deal there. Uh, Clint says, I'm ready for a new welcome home. It's been a while. Yeah, I think so. Ooh. It usually lulls during the, the season, I, you know, I can't rule out Elijah Davis shutting it down this weekend. Just following the official visits, that that's the kind of deal right there. Uh, Tristan says, hump day, beat them fake Tigers. Yeah, lots of teams on the schedule with the mascot Tigers. I know. Um, they, you know I think there's only two this year, but uh, Auburn, there's Auburn, LSU, Missouri, Clemson. That's uh, Those years get crazy. But, uh, yeah, and by the way, Tristan, your email – 
that came in on the IHL Consulting Mailbag is the featured email on thebigspur.com today. I've already answered it if you want to read it, but uh, I will read it uh, when we get to the mailbag segment here in a little bit. Rick says, prayers for everyone who needs them. Thank you, Rick. I appreciate it. Uh, Clint says, USC, U of SC was a turd and a punch bowl. Yeah. Remember her Caddyshack at the beginning? Yeah. It, it, was, it was an almond joy or her Snickers. <laughs> a a duty. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Here's a good question from Quantrell on the Nana Sports chat box. Went back and watched the game and saw that Edmund and Burks played a lot of snaps. Does this cause concern down the line? Do we have depth behind those guys to spell them? All right, so Beamer said nobody was missing the game but Corey Rucker. But I nobody – sometimes I, I, feel, I wish I had a button, you know, like to buzz and say, hey, ask about this. Um, not not necessarily Hale and Whittle and Alex and those guys from my site, but just in general. Nobody really asked about Terrell Dawkins. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if he'll be back or not. But, yeah, they are playing a lot of snaps. And I, Quantrell, it's actually an article idea I had for this week. Uh, about Jordan Birch. Jordan Birch just needed to. I think. I think the issue was he hadn't played a whole lot, right? You know, and we, he, we he haven't came, seen him. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, and he came from Skiza, and he's just playing every now and then. And you and you you adjust to this level of football. You know, practice helps, but by playing in games and from game one to uh, his last game, he's. I think he's improved, and uh, mm-hmm. if he keeps going, I think by the time he's done at South Carolina, you're going to be like, oh yeah, that guy was a five star, just like Zach Pickens took a little while. Um, Zach, Zach kind of, Zach took longer than Tonka, I'd have to say, but Zach was just like Tonka in that we, he was a defensive end in high school. Um, they had to slide inside and sometimes to play that game, you have to, yeah, it, it, it's easy for some, not easy for others. Uh, Craig says Tyreek Johnson and, uh, what's his name? Brian Thomas Jr. The true freshman, 230 pounds. That's scary, but, uh, he's, he's been out there for some snaps. He's number 46, by the way, I believe. Uh, Will McClain says you can't claim USC and SC. Pick a lane, Southern Cal. That's true. You can't. But like, uh, but wait a minute. What about uh, you know my suntan? I don't know. Like, well, California. I know, look, any of you out there from California, I love you. No, no offense. I'm not stereotyping everyone, but my experience with folks from California, with few exceptions, and there are some exceptions, is that they're not like rude. Like you know, maybe some folks from oh, I don't know, Chicago or. Uh, especially uh, the northeast, uh, northeastern corridor. Just go to DC North, and you, know, you get some rudeness. Uh, or even some folks that live in Atlanta. Um, they're not from Atlanta, uh, but the California people are like they're they're like pleasant to talk to. But like you know, you'll be sitting there, and, and they'll have an idea, you know, business wise, and it's the dumbest idea you've ever heard. You know, they like, let's let's like put like chocolate sprinkles on chicken and sell it in a in a basket with some uh, you know some. I don't know, some kale salad or something. And you're like, it's a terrible idea. Those tastes don't even go together. And then they're like, oh, but like, you're, you're dumb from the South, man. Like, you know, what, what do you, what do you eat barbecue all the time? Like, I don't know. And, and they're just condescending as hell. And I'm like, well, you know, and I've always said California would be paradise on earth if it weren't for the people. 8JM2, hope you're feeling better today, bud. Why is it that we are looked down by other programs? It seems way too frequent that a loss to USC by a traditional power results in their head coach being on the hot seat. That's a good point. I was thinking about that today. I was like, and, um, I, you know, I, I, and I think it's gotten worse. I mean, you think back through the years of the, of the coaches that Carolina's gotten fired. Like, like, let's go back, right? 
Let's go back to John Cooper from Ohio State. John Cooper from Ohio State was getting fired regardless. You know, right. yeah. the Outback Bowl win by Carolina was just it, the, the final straw. And back then, they didn't really fire coaches before bowl games a lot of the time. Um, now it's rare if a coach lasts through a bowl if he's getting fired. Yeah. Um, you know, and then the Gamecocks beat them the next year. They didn't fire Jim Tressel. They didn't fire Jim Harbaugh when Carolina beat Michigan. You know, I think some wanted to. But uh, all right, so Philip Fulmer, he was getting fired anyway because they, they were done with him because uh, he had the, the bad year in 05, lost to Carolina. He brought Cutcliffe back for two years. And then, believe it or not, his OC that finally got him canned was Dave Clawson, who's the head coach at Wake Forest. Yeah. They, don't, they don't have problems on offense, but they, the claw, they called it the claw fence. <laughs> and it was terrible. Uh, so, Gamecocks <laughs> beat him 27-6. That was the final straw. They're like, we're done with uh, Fulmer. Uh, and, he, and he actually lost to Wyoming later. So, so that was kind of coming. Muschamp was coming. Uh, Spurrier even knew it because the Gamecocks won. It's like, oh, I feel bad for Will. He's probably getting fired, but shoot, <laughs> good day for the Gamecocks. <laughs> but, uh, you know, so he got fired. Uh, who else did they get fired? Was it? You can't really say Jim Donnan, though. The Gamecocks beat him in his last year at Georgia. Ray Goff either. That, that game was too early. But, uh, you know, I think what, what it is these days, though, uh, is number one, people are impatient. Fans are impatient. The money's huge. So a lot of expectations. But I also think it's hype. And I talked about this on the radio in Tuscaloosa today because they were like, why on earth are I mean, Alabama fans are about to jump off a bridge, you know, because they're not as good. They've yeah. lost one game. They're not as good. Oh, oh my, oh my God! Fired every, fall fire everybody. And and I think it's this. I think I think number one in general, when you're passionate about something, you're always looking for solutions. Uh, I think number two, in our media these days, and everywhere, in the sports, it's creeping in. Um, and we have some good guys from the media on our site, and I'm definitely not talking about any of them. But and Michael Bratton is a guy that uh, works for Saturday Down South, so I'm not trying to disparage that one or, or anybody, any, any total company or outlet. Uh, but you do have so much hot takery out there in the national college football media these days. Nobody does research. Nobody can evaluate talent. Nobody would know a good player, a good coach or a good scheme. If, if it hit them in the face, all they're doing is looking at recruiting rankings and, and, and stuff that doesn't mean a damn thing. Okay. Uh, and they're snarky little entitled, you know, what buttholes. You know, and it, it's it's probably that, you know, some of them are from an older generation. So I can't really say they're, you know, very sensitive uh, Gen Zers or anything as a whole. <laughs> but I think in general, these type of people that have infiltrated the college football media uh, are very, very sensitive. Like they're a bunch of a bunch of Karens, really. You know, well, you got to so, figure the older ones are like taking it on the chin because they see the media evolving, right? Yeah, I mean, and, these and, young so they're trying to yeah, one up yeah. everybody, <laughs> and uh, and that's why I don't even consider. I mean, I'm probably I'm media entertainment. I don't even I don't even want to be called a journalist anymore. Ever, I was a journalist once. I have a degree in journalism. I don't consider myself that anymore because I don't I don't want the label. It sucks, <laughs> and I think these hot takery artists are so pissed off. Or I'm, I'm not pissed off. But sensitive, you know. Oh my God, I ranked Texas A&M six and said how great they were going to be because I'm stupid and just look at recruiting rankings and just trust that inexact science to form my hot takery. So now I want to fire Jimbo. Let me speak yeah. to your manager. Let me. 
<laughs> I mean, these people are unreal. Yeah, and and yeah. it's not all of them. It's 90%. I could probably go through and name you the ones I like. You could probably know. Mm -hmm. uh, but because uh, a lot of them are on the show. But, you know, and you and you have so much on the Internet and then Twitter. It make, Twitter makes it 10 times worse. Tw Twitter makes everything worse. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, when I retire and end this whole thing, I'm not I'm, I'm locking my I'm shutting down my Twitter account. I'm going to send one final tweet that says kiss my ass and <laughs> leave it like that. Pin it to the top and never get on the dang thing again. <laughs> uh, Clint says Ohio State has the dumbest mascot, a nut. <laughs> I could go somewhere there. I'm not. Yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. So Brian asked JC or Phil, if you watched any Mizzou and what are your thoughts about how we attack them offensive and defensively? Uh, I did a deep dive on Missouri. I wrote an article. I, they're a spider web team, yeah. just like Kentucky this year. They, they're completely different than they have been. Okay. So used to be, you probably need to outscore Missouri. Uh, last year, they were a terrible defense. You wouldn't know it with how they played Carolina, but uh, ding, ding, ding. They had an NFL defensive coordinator who's now the interim head coach of the Panthers, Steve Wilkes. Um, they have uh, Skip Holtz and Manny Diaz as old coordinator now. He's doing a great job. He's got the front play great. Uh, they're scheming well. They are bad on offense, though. Vandy shut them out the second half. Like, okay, so Vandy <laughs> – I'm sorry. Vanderbilt uh, – <laughs> So Vanderbilt's up 20 to 13 at half at Ole Miss. Next thing you know, you check the score, it's like 52 to 28. They just <laughs> fell apart. A second-half team, Vandy is not, right? No. Shut no. them out in the second half. Now, they do have some concerns. They have this kid I really like, Corey Schrader at running back. Uh, mm -hmm. 14 carries, 84 yards against the Commodores. He's a transfer from Division II Truman State and is averaging 5.3 yards per carry on an SEC team. Uh, inspiring guy. That's the type of guy – that uh, has grown up all his life getting disrespected. He's from St. Louis, always wanted to be a Missouri Tiger. It's his fifth year of college football. He was like an All-American at Truman State. Uh, and now he's getting his chance. If you don't, if you don't, you got to stop him. You got to get in front of him. It, that guy scares me more than like Luther Burden because uh, they're starting running back who transferred in from Stanford. He kind of wasn't going far against Vandy. And then they put this kid in and he rolled. Uh, so watch out for him. South Carolina has to play well up front. Missouri is like the third straight offensive line that's not that good. Uh, you know, people talk about their run defense, and it is statistically good. They're 22nd total defense, I think 44th in run defense. But doing some research today, kind of watching them, Florida ran all over them. Yeah, yeah they Florida, put up over 200 yards, didn't yeah. they? I mean, yeah. Two, uh, mm -hmm. I got it right here. Gators went for 235 or 231 mm -hmm. against them. Kansas State, and I don't count Kansas. And, and Florida's kind of hard because like, when I first saw that number, I was like, well, Anthony Richardson must have killed him on the ground. Now he had about 40, 50 yards. Uh, Florida's backs ran it on him. Um, mm -hmm. Kansas State, Adrian Martinez, they're an option team. So, um, yeah, they, they ran for that much, but they only threw for 101. Uh, and uh, Florida only threw for 66 in that game, by the way. Um, and and, and uh, Missouri had four turnovers in that one and lost 40 to 12. Uh, so, you know, the question becomes that, and I kind of thought, well, uh, sat the offense rattler, they're going to have to come out and throw and back these guys off the line. And that may be the case, mm -hmm. but I'd still try to run it. Lloyd's running well enough right now. Uh, go look at the YouTube clip of his 24 yard run. You'll see why Nate Atkins has been so important. He takes a linebacker out just enough to where Lloyd can cut up the sideline. 
uh, you know, I, I think I'm going to try to run and, and maybe try to just keep them off balance. I know that's easier said than done with this offense, but mm-hmm. uh, that's kind of how I would attack them. Then on D, to me, it's the same formula. You got to keep them covered. Uh, Drinkwitz likes to attack the perimeter, so you're going to have good tackling. Linebackers, DBs are going to have to tackle well. But South Carolina's going to be able to get penetration with its defensive front. Um, they have they to aggressive. stop the run. Mm-hmm. If you don't stop the run against them, that opens up everything else. Uh, for a drink with offense, which I call it the drink and dunk because they they'll take some shots down the field, but they basically boom, 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 boom. They're hitting you on each sideline and then trying to run power runs up the middle. Uh, AJM2 said the whole of thing was a massive mistake, one of the most embarrassing things we've ever done. I don't know, man. There's been a lot. Yeah, we've seen some embarrassing stuff around here. <laughs> I was born, in, I was born in 1976, so I've uh, what I didn't live through, I heard about. <laughs> uh, but he said, thanks, good. Thank goodness it's over. It's a great move. I dare Southern Cal to sue us. And see, I like this president. I like this president. I don't know. It was Caslin the, the of guy, was the general, General Caslin. I think was he it, the president. I think it was the, early the, uh, in his tenure, yeah, that that, that happened. And I, it just was it during know, his tenure out of character for him to have caved like that. But who knows? I mean, you know, we're controlled by a mismatched board and. Uh, oh yeah. Who knows? I mean, that, but yeah, Caslin's kids, by the way, uh, speaking of Twitter trolls and people that are pieces of crap on Twitter, those guys, when Carolina lost to Georgia, they were just like talking smack, sending pictures of the crowd, laughing. Uh, uh, those guys like uh, need to you know, jump in a hole. Because, look, your dad failed at his job. Okay, he failed. He's a failure, right? Uh, if you're a winner in life, you'll understand failure is part of life. And you should know this if you've done what General Caslin's done and served our country, and I respect all that and uh, to, to a, a long time. But you need to tell your kids, hey, look, here's what life's about, right? Mm-hmm. You fail, okay? You learn from it. You get better and move on. You know, when you're sitting there making excuses and, and and acting like you're a victim, that's when you become on the other end, which makes you a loser. And I think that the, I think definitely his kids are a bunch of losers. Uh, Carolina Titans says the Gamecocks need to trade the fate trademark the phrase October right now. I'm sure Josh Pate would approve. I don't know, man. Josh sells Pate State T-shirts and stuff, so he may start selling <laughs> October T. All right, how many people would buy a Cocktober T-shirt for me if I well, – see, the month's almost over. Let's do that next year, Phil, if nobody's made them up. When we yep. get to October, we'll, we'll, we'll do some Cocktober, Cocktober merch and sell it for a little bit of profit, maybe throw some dollars to Carolina Rise and yeah, put yeah, some yeah. In, the, mm-hmm. in, the, in the show operating fund here. Jerry says, I never like the term spurs up. That represents a dead chicken, and of course – Anything that must have had anything to do with. Yeah, you know, they still use it, though, and it's kind of that that thing. They got it from, like, Texas Tech, guns up. <laughs> That's their guns up. Yeah, Everybody in Texas has it. Hook them, gig them, guns up. Sick them is Baylor. Horns up. I don't, horns. Is it horns up? Isn't that, no. Is it horns up? For TCU? Yeah. Texas. Texas is hook them. Hook well, yeah, and a hook them, yeah. But I thought they also said horns up. I know hook them's more. All right, this is a great horns, yeah. Hook hook them horns. This is a great. Speaking of losers and salt. All right, right, so this is a great take for maybe here, and 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 I I love this take so much, and it's you know you know you guys know I try to be polite to Clemson. I I try to 
I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't get into the, the, the I let Phil handle that department, you know, <laughs> uh, I've just always rolled that way because, you know, there's psychopaths out there that will videotape this. <laughs> I just yeah. you know all that good stuff. But anyway, this is great. Clemson copied their mascot from a school who also copied it from another school. <laughs> so, all right. So the tiger, right. Which who looks like a gigantic tweaker with beady eyes. I mean, he's, <laughs> he's insane. That is a scary he's looking mascot. He's insane. It's insane. Not intimidating. It's yeah. like it's like I mean, go back and look at the Carolina, the rooster from the fifties and sixties. You scare the crap out <laughs> yeah. of it. By that matter, go look at an old Mickey Mouse. I mean, they're scary ass mascots oh, yeah. back there in the day. Okay, but uh, <laughs> so that's what the tiger looks like, and I've always made fun of the tiger because he's easy to make fun of, and he's a tweaker that does push ups, uh, and his eyes are all like, ah, you know. <laughs> So that's his problem. I've always wondered what it is. Is he, is he, you know, is he just kind of like, you know, one of those uh, folks from rural Pickens that just sort of looks that way? Is, is he, is he maybe from, you know, Louisiana Bayou, you know, is his brother's cousin, his mom? I mean, what's, what's, what's the story with the tiger? Now I know it's none of that because he's not human. He's a copy of a copy of a copy. He's like an avatar. But he's yeah. a copy of a copy. That's why he's that bad. Yeah, that's right. It degrades every other copy since it's not yeah. original. I mean, so this is what you get after it's been in the mimeograph. Dave, <laughs> you look at any other tiger mascot, I mean, you know, they don't have a live one at Clemson, right? So they don't like LSU is Mike the Tiger. Truman, Truman from uh, Missouri's uh, kind of got a Mayor McCheese kind of look along with Albie from Auburn. And then Mike from uh, LSU is really cool. Any other school with the Tigers mascot looks nothing like the one at Clemson. And it's because he's a copy of a copy of a copy. Oh, wow. he, they like got it from, they got it from this, uh, this uh, website called wish where they import everything from China and it's super cheap. You, you can get like a suit for $5 and then it shows up and it's like, you know, here's a double X and you put it on and it, it's like fat guy in a little coat from, yes, from Tommy boy. There's no way you can fit in it or, or you get a self, a free, we'll give you a free Silvo charger. Doesn't work. That's what Clemson ordered it from China, like that thing from China. It's a Chinese ripoff of a tiger. I got it from wish. Like, hey, hey, you want a, want a, want a tiger mascot? Okay. We'll send to you right now. That'll be two weeks. Five dollars. That's all right. Just bring it on. Yeah, we'll take it. Clemson is a uh, AJM two is still a little salty today. Clemson is the most unoriginal school in the country. Uh, Clint says Birch has played well of late. Agreed. Here's a good take from Josh. Really hope we jump on Missouri early. Don't want to see this game be close in the fourth. Punch in the mouth early and don't let them up off the bat. The second part is very important because a lot of teams mm -hmm. have gotten off to good starts against Missouri. And they're like, like I said, they're like a spider web team. It's like you look up and you're like, shoot, you know, the first quarter, which seems like three hours ago, <laughs> you know, it's only been 30 mm -hmm. minutes. Uh, you know, they're running time off the clock. And, you know, you look up and it's 14-14. You know, you just, you can't let them breathe. Nope. You know, and South Carolina, this, this, this atmosphere is going to be the best one they've been in uh, since Kansas State. Okay. Uh, probably home and away. Uh, so, I mean, the Georgia game was at night, so maybe it was a little, a little rocking out in Como. So the Gamecocks crowd needs to show up, you know, because uh, what happened in that Kansas State game, four turnovers, and they will turn it over. They will turn it over to you. Um, Lex says, y'all, seriously, Tennessee fans have some serious trolling issues. They post more on some of our own posts than we do. 
every post was about how lit Willie B was. Uh, then they post their stadium. Oh, every post about how lit oh, wow. Willie B was, they post their stadium. Uh, they're feeling themselves right now, you know. Don't blame them. No, it's been a long, long time. <laughs> it has been. It's been a long, been time. a long, long time. Remind me to talk about the Kentucky Tennessee game later because I'm I'm very intrigued by this game. I, Kentucky, Tennessee owns Kentucky, mm-hmm. so I think Kentucky. Uh, the line's only twelve and a half. I, I, I think Tennessee will win and cover, but I'm really curious to see how Mark Stoops and his NFL offensive coordinator plays play these guys because. You know, if, if they if they if they slow them down, you know, I've always maintained you slow down Tennessee with your offense. That's what frustrated me about last year, Kevin Harris. You know, you're down fourteen nothing. You sort of knew you're going to take a, hay, a haymaker at the beginning. You know, they just come out swinging. You know, mm-hmm. uh, and they have done it to almost everybody all year. Gamecocks uh, settle in. You know, start running the ball for the first time all season. Harris gets loose. You get to the two. You had the stupid trick plays. There goes the neighborhood. There goes the game. There, there goes that. That's what frustrates you. It's like it's like when South Carolina used to play Clemson when Chad Morris was there, and Clemson actually went fast. They don't go fast anymore, by the way. Um, South Carolina would would Connor Shaw would run. You'd get you know for you know for you know two three yards four yards seven first down first down, and uh, the Gamecocks dominated just about all of those games time of possession wise. And it kept their offense off the field because the more chances they get, the more they're likely to score. That's what surprised me about Alabama just came out firing. At the same time, Phil, Tennessee is number 10 in the country in run defense. Because, see, this is this is what's smart about their coaching staff. Mm-hmm. They, they're they very undermanned. Their defense talent-wise is not – I mean, they got a lot of guys that play hard, right? And mm-hmm. so, so what they're doing, they're just sending the house. And if they give up a big play, who cares? Right. You yeah, because they're just going to – all right, back and do the same thing to you again. Yeah, they they run blitz all the time, so they're tenth in the country in run defense, right? Because I think they really is reflective of the fact that they do jump all over people, and you're having to throw the ball to catch up. That's true that you're too. Not that's true that. too. But LSU early on in that game tried to run, they couldn't yeah. do it. Bama had some success, but but that game score wise, you know, once Bama caught back up, was fine. Uh, but they're tenth in the country in run defense, a hundred and second in total defense. So that if, is if, a huge disparity. <laughs> so, so if you're Kentucky and you have Kentucky's offensive line, but you have Rodriguez and you have Levis, or what do you do? How do you attack them? I mean, that's going to be very fascinating to me. Cam says Taka Hemingway and Gilbert Evans have stepped up tremendously. Hemingway's the best defensive lineman on the team, in my opinion. You can make a case for that. He's made – he's got a lot of big plays. Zach Pickens, I think, if you just focus on him when you're watching the defense, Cam – You'll see how well that dude's playing right now. I mean, he's a load. He has increased his draft stock every game this year, I think. Zach Pickens, just because, I mean, he's he's moving guys around. He's taking on double teams and moving guys. I mean, you know, he's just, he's a monster in there. Yeah, he is. He is. The light has come on. Uh, And I think think once Boogie gets back and kind of in the swing of things again, you're going to like what you see from him. I like what I see from Nick Barrett Mm -hmm. and TJ Sanders. Uh, Gamecock Pundit says, I'm from Cali, tread lightly. Nah, you know, like I said, it's never, if I say something about a certain part of the country, you'll also hear me talk about Spartanburg, which is my hometown. <laughs> I just Plenty to a, say. Yeah. <laughs> it's like You're Rodney. People Car- everywhere. <laughs> it's like Rodney Carried and says, these are jokes, people. If they mean anything, it's a miracle. You know? <laughs> uh, Colin says, I'm from Atlanta, tread lightly. 
Uh, Daddy says blue counties display the greatest rudeness. Ah, I don't want to get into the red blue thing today. Um, Craig says at 20 games under uh, Beamer has won five games outright as an underdog. Pretty impressive, especially with the offense stuck in neutral. And I think if I'm not mistaken, Craig, uh, it, now the Kentucky line ended up going down, but it opened as a double digit. Uh, four of those at some point were double digit underdogs. Mm-hmm. Uh, Life Florida was a 20 and a half point favorite. Auburn was a 12 and a half point favorite. North Carolina was a 12 and a half point favorite. Kentucky opened an 11. Um, yeah. You know, obviously last week was three and a half. So I don't know that Vegas has been super at, at the point spreads with the Gamecocks. And now for the first little while last year, they were, uh, you know, because the, the Troy line opened at like nine and mm. Carolina won by nine. And, uh, then Vandy was like 17 and a half and Carolina won by one. So they've kind of reversed it. Also, Beamer, um, I don't know if I said this yesterday or not. I tweeted it from uh, the Inside the Gamecocks account. Uh, there's five coaches that have won a national championship who are active in college football. And in the last eight games, Beamer's coached. He's beaten two of them. Okay. Mac Brown and Jimbo Fisher. Yeah. Uh, now he's lost uh, to one of them. Kirby, Kirby, (laughs) and and, and you got Dabo yet to come, but, uh, you know, that's the thing there. Um, Mm -hmm. every movie, the village, every movie, the village idiot has a Southern accent. I don't don't know about that one. South Cam says South Carolina was founded 79 years prior to Southern Cal. Thank you. That's right. Daddy says respect isn't given. It's taken kick butt routinely and the respect will magically appear. Yeah, but I still think that there's a there's stereotypes. There's a and 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 now in college football more though more so than any other time because of the way the media handles their business and is obsessed with hype and gets their feelings hurt when they're wrong. Um, I, I think it's harder to break through, you know, and especially in the fourteen playoff era. You know, I mean, you know, one of those things. Um, Craiger says I asked Dave Bartu if he thinks. Yeah, that's C- CFB Matrix. Good guy. Uh, he thinks Garrett Riley would work here. And he's like, uh, he says, okay. So you ask him if Garrett Riley would work at South Carolina. Here was his answer. With Riley, does he have the personnel to run that offense? And the defensive's person, defensive personnel to face 80-plus plays a game? Plenty of quality OCs. I look for personnel fit to get benefits quickly. All right. So if Spencer Rattler came back, absolutely. Um, with defense, uh, you know, it kind of just depends, Craig, on, all right, so Sonny Dykes goes fast. Uh, Does that mean Garrett Riley wants to go fast? I mean, Lincoln Riley didn't go that fast. I mean, I I think you could gear it down to a certain extent in certain situations to protect your defense. I feel like Um, that's name chasing though with Garrett too, because he's not the only one making that thing go. He is the guy that works for the guy, but he is calling plays out there. Yeah, so. that's true. Yeah. Joey says, oh, hurt me, boo. <laughs> Lady Bree says, JC, I honestly don't know how much uh, about your background or how you have connections inside the program. I started tuning in because Chris mentioned you and you were a guest on his show. I didn't even realize y'all were part of 24-7 Sports. Sorry for the ignorance on that. That's okay. And by the way, Lady Bree, I actually watched your film breakdown today on Twitter. Good job. Well done. I think I retweeted it. Um, so good job. Good job. Uh, blah, blah. Saunders says we technically got Mark Rick, got Mark, Mark Rick fired. 
media, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. Journalists have been placed by Axel. Look to win the game Saturday. Farrell comes in. Will says, run the damn ball. That's how you attack. Uh, Brian you says, any plans on having Mike Morgan on anytime soon? Yeah, Mike, uh, I just got to get him in here um, and set up a time. Mike and I right now, because of Mike's travel schedule and because of this, this is a new thing. We're And then we have uh, uh, Michael Haney that's on with us too. We have a really hard, a cha- I don't want to say hard time, challenging time sometimes making our schedules link up for just the JC and Morgan podcast. Which, by the way, there's a new one out. Um, but once once his travel schedule kind of settles down, I'll get him in. And, Brian, Mike's going to be really good to come on and talk about SEC basketball uh, mm. because he, he goes to two, three games a week and knows everybody and all that. And Phil and I are going to have to take a refresher course. AGM2 says that three-and-a-half spread is concerning. Vegas doesn't trust our offense. Well, well, neither do I, AGM2. You know, <laughs> it is what it is. If you got to prove it, you know. you got to prove it. Uh, Gamecock Pundit says we picked no one apart. We've hardly played two quarter, good quarters of football in all games. Could it click? And that game, Rattler goes off, maybe. I want to point something out. Colin Taylor, I won't mention who he works for because it's a competitive website, but uh, he's a good guy. He's one of the good ones, Colin is. Mm-hmm. Stuff. Uh, the last two games, Spencer Rattler's 11 for 18 on third down, 9.8 yards per attempt, and then six of his 11 completions have gone for 18 or more. So he's playing a little bit of bailout ball right now. But, yeah, you're right, Pundit, because I was sitting there thinking today, I was like, you know, not even when Spurrier was here, maybe, but BMAC or Roper or whenever, you, you frequently did have drives where, you know, Jake Bentley or, or whoever, Connor Shaw, whoever, what, you know, boom, pass, zip, 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 attacking all portions of the field and go right down the field throwing the ball. I haven't seen Carolina throw it and go right down the field at all. Did you remember yep. a drive like that? Uh, uh, we move the ball best when we keep it on the ground, JC. Yeah. This year, now last year, last year there was the Zeb Nolan drive at the end to beat Mandy. No. Yeah, but that was it. Even even at Arkansas when they were trying to air it out, it was not. You know, it was kind of cattywampus. But I thought that was a good uh, a stat on Spencer because what he is doing is bailing him out. You know, with some mm-hmm. nice long completions, and he's got the arm to do it. Uh, ATM two says, Pundit is correct. It's time to give up on the dream of Rattler picking anyone apart. We will win, but probably can't score enough to blow them out. Uh, you're going to have to pick this weekend. I think you're going to have to pick and choose, you know, and, no. and make it kind of happen. And, and I'm know, not giving up on Spencer Rattler. I mean, no, 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 no. I don't think it's his fault. So, uh, Lady Bree says they're tougher up front, weaker in the secondary. So while we're going to need to run our passing, maybe the key to this game. That's true. Vandy's two quarterbacks threw for 242 against them. Uh, Georgia got 319. Other than that, they've played a lot of teams that just have, they play teams that just haven't thrown it a whole lot. Um, now, Louisiana Tech in the opener chunked it all over the field, and I think it had 300 yards. But, uh, you know, Florida only had 66 passing yards, but only threw it 14 times. Kansas State had 101. They only threw it 20. I'm doing this from memory, so hang on. Uh, <laughs> Vandy couldn't run it last week against them. They only had 57, but Vandy's starting running back quit, I think, the team. So, they, you know, that Vandy has nobody close to Marshawn Lloyd or, or really even Christian Beal Smith um, or really Juju McDowell or really Rashad Amos. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Oh, Tim Dorn says, don't forget Johnny Majors. How could I forget? And I, so Poetic Justice – 
Fulmer's sitting there in everybody's ear wanting to get Johnny Majors fired for losing South Carolina. He loses South Carolina and gets fired. How about that? Um, blah, 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 blah. AJM2 says we should always dominate Cocktober based on how the schedule works out. I don't know, man. You had a top 15 team on the road. You had a team you'd never beaten that was ranked six in the country at the beginning on the road. Uh, and then you got Missouri, who you've lost three in a row to. Uh, but, you know, that, that's just one of those things. Cam says, old meth tiger. There's a lot of that over there on that side of the state. Reverend JC today on the roll. So that's uh, <laughs> that's the thing. Um, Cam says, I hope we are all taking notes of the Texas A&M debacle currently underway. Having a good culture and doing the right things will always be what's best for the young men in your program. Karma's a B. All right, Phil, I want you to freeze that because I've got I got to – I'm going to talk about the A&M situation. Now, before before we go to break, I'm going to tell you, before we get back, I am not uh, – I don't have any inside information on what exactly went on in the locker room there. Uh, I think it was weed. That's my guess. Uh, All that good stuff. Um, But, uh, you know, it's it's one of those things, you know. And, and yeah, HJM2, he says, at the time, rankings don't matter. Totally worthless statistic. yeah, but the people that hated Will Muschamp for never beating a ranked team would ignore the fact that teams eventually were ranked or, you know, whatever. Uh, and that's what they count as top 25 wins. Now, that said, you're right. Um, I'm just saying if you're talking about how Carolina should win every single October, uh, you know, some years that October slate's not easy. You yeah, know? that's true. It does get tough sometimes. Um, it does get tough. But you usually have Vandy in there, you know, some other things. So anyway, there's always a good chance to, to at least get a couple of wins in October. All right, we're going to be back. I'm going to address this, this A&M thing. And I'm not going to be like I told you so. I'm just going to tell you that my hunch was probably correct. Uh, way overdue <laughs> for a break. Right back after these messages on Inside the Gamecocks, the show. Just as your State Farm agent combines good neighbor service with surprisingly great rates, you can combine your home, auto, life, or small business insurance with Tony Pope's State Farm Insurance today. And guess what you'll get? That's right, even more good neighbor service with surprisingly great rates. In fact, Tony Pope State Farm is your go-to agent anywhere in South Carolina, North Carolina, or Georgia for the service you deserve at the price you want. So try combining your home, life, auto, and or small business insurance today. Tony Pope State Farm has been in business for more than 30 years and can handle anything you need in the tri-state area. Once again, Tony Pope State Farm will help you mix and match perfectly. Call 843-851-2222 or visit TonyPope.com today. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. If you're a listener, you know I feel strongly that if you're in the upstate and are in need of real estate services, Cindy Searfoss is your go-to person. Searfoss of Caldwell Banker Kane uh, can help you with any of your realty needs right there in the upstate of South Carolina, Greenville, Spartanburg, Anderson, Oconee, uh, Pickens, wherever you are. Cindy can help you with that. She's married to a die-hard Gamecock fan, has been in the upstate for more than 35 years. Right there in my hometown of Spartanburg, Daniel Morgan Avenue. Contact Cindy, 864-414-5271 or email ccearfoss, C-S-E-A-R-F-O-S-S at cbcane.com, C-B-C-A-I-N-E. That's Cindy Searfoss, a proud sponsor of the Inside the Gamecocks podcast. Check her out. We've already gotten several emails from listeners uh, that are very impressed with her professionalism and her ability to help you with your real estate needs. 864-414-5271. 
Sydney Searfoss of Caldwell Baker Kane. If you're looking to sell or buy multifamily property right here in South Carolina, the Burgesson team of Remax at the Lake can help you get to closing fast and easy. Adam and Derek Burgesson both are very proud Gamecocks and are more than happy to assist you with any of your commercial real estate needs all across the state. You can email Adam at aburgesson at remax.net. That's A-B-E-R-G-E-S-O-N at remax.net to get your next deal underway. The Burgesson team, proud sponsors of Inside the Game. Family vacations, a new car, a new boat, all cost money, but you don't necessarily have to make more to afford any of that if you can save cash that's flying out the window now. iHelp Consulting can help you finally get the kids to Disney World, upgrade the minivan, or drop that new boat in the water next summer. Let Daniel and iHelp Consulting consult with you. No fees, just savings. You pay them a percentage of those savings. Save on essential services, credit card fees, you name it. Let them find it. These folks are incredible. iHelpConsulting.com. How can I help you? Attention golfers of all ages and skill sets. Former Gamecock golfer Meredith Taylor will be a full-time golf instructor in the Midlands of South Carolina very, very soon. You want to take advantage of this opportunity. If you're like me and you got to get a whole lot better at golf, or even if you're looking to refine your swing, Meredith is the person you need to go to. She's competing in her final USGA Mid-Amateur Tournament this summer before going full-time into teaching and coaching individuals. If you're in South Carolina, Meredith will be conducting in-person golf lessons at the Country Club of Lexington. Half hour, hour, on course. She'll play 9 or 18 with you. If you're out of state, though, this is really exciting. She'll be conducting virtual lessons. You can send in your swing for her expert analysis. Also, in November, she'll launch an online course with video instruction for all ages and skill levels. Meredith has 20-plus years of knowledge, former SEC golfer, all of that. So contact her on Twitter, at Taylor at M-E-R-T-A-Y-L-O-R, or go to McKellarEnterprises.org. McKellar spelled M-C-K-E-L-L-A-R, Enterprises.org. Her email's on the website, so you can connect with her for any other questions. Go get your golf game in order. Take advantage of Meredith Taylor and her services. Yep, time to get back to the show. Shoot. All right, my man. Welcome back to Inside the Gamecocks, the show, everybody. The first hour of the show is brought to you by Cindy Searfoss and the Cowell Banker Kane Realty here in the upstate. Give Cindy a call for all of your upstate residential real estate needs, 864-414-5271. And uh, just an update, of course, on Meredith Taylor. She's uh, signing up for virtual lessons but beginning in the first of the year as opposed to november so jc there looks like there's trouble in aggie land <laughs> oh a lot of these five stars suspended and then there's a a tweet that one of our listeners sent to the our twitter account well, i was reading that before we came on a bunch <laughs> of other there's rumors a bunch of other these the vaunted a&m recruiting class okay so guys look uh cam's absolutely right about culture uh, and in the transfer portal era, you have to pay even closer attention to that. One thing I can say about South Carolina, they have not been hurt by the portal a whole lot at all. Uh, yeah, it stunk to lose Jamie Robinson and Johnny Dixon uh, to, you know, Florida State and Penn State with Muschamp left. Those were Muschamp guys, um, you know, but uh, by and large, Beamer kept it intact. Okay. Last offseason, you know, I, I thought Jamar Brown could have helped the team some way. Uh, I think the new staff had pro, had had a little bit of a 
a struggle with like like his position, and plus he could never stay healthy. I still think he's a good player. All right, so so that was that was one. I was like, well, you know, EJ Jenkins probably went where he needed to go because they weren't using him good anyway, and Georgia Tech needs all the help they can get, uh, and he's having a pretty good year. Um, Jason Brown, we know why he left. So so. The Gamecocks, I mean, even you look at Arkansas, as good as they were last year going to the Outback Bowl, uh, Trey Biddy, who was on with us at the beginning of the year, mentioned it, and he's, you know, they had to backfill a lot with the portal because they lost a lot, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, Colby Fields, who went to LSU. I hate to lose him because he's playing uh, for the Tigers now. Um, but he's from Louisiana, and, and you know what happened. He's from Metairie. Somebody got on the occasional. Hey, well, what about what about, uh, what about that guy? Well, boy, yours, a Colby Fields. Uh, you think he bought a come back home play for LSU would be a tiger? <laughs> yeah, let me put you on the phone. I thought you got fired, Coach. Oh, no, I'm still recruiting for LSU because I love the Tigers. Uh, we know Colby Fields will come back and play for Brian Kelly. Uh, don't tell anybody though. Just get in the portal. Sure enough. <laughs> I mean, I don't blame the kid. It's every kid in Louisiana's dream of running up in that tunnel in Baton Rouge on Saturday night. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, LSU just didn't offer him. Memphis did, and Carolina beat Memphis on him. So, um, you know, so so you have to keep the culture up. Number two with Texas A&M. Uh, and this goes to show you, like, all this narrative out there by some in the media that have an agenda about – this is market rate now for five stars. This is this. This is that. This is this. When you spend that much money, okay, and these kids now, because of recruiting and the internet and Twitter, fake celebrity and Instagram and all this stuff that's fake celebrity, that, that, that has some value to it, that could put some money in their pocket, but not seven figures, right? Unless you're just a, a damn special basketball player or maybe like Arch Manning because he's a Manning. You know, I could I could see that, but when you're just out there signing five star D tackles for that much, because oh, that's their quote unquote position value. What you're doing is create, and really the defensive line. Well, a couple of D linemen probably aren't happy, but and they're from all over the country. You bring them to College Station of all places, uh, and they're sitting there with seven figures in the bank, um, and they're already had this over entitled sense of celebrity. What happens to child actors, Phil, for the most part? <laughs> you know, a lot of them burn out, right? Yeah. <laughs> a lot of bad you know, things happen to child actors. Like, okay, it's like J- Jodie Foster uh, was probably one that made it all the way. But, I mean, Macaulay Coughlin lost his mind for a while. Um, uh, you know, so his brother's actually better. He's on that show Secession, I think. I think that's Look brother. at the Corys. <laughs> Good Lord. <laughs> you know, child, child, the, the, the you know the poor little girl from Poltergeist didn't make it past six. She's you know, I mean it. So you know you're giving kids that that aren't even close to professional sports because football takes some time, just a freak ton of money, right? Yeah. Uh, to come play college ball, and, and they're not you know you have to work at this level. You know, in the NFL, contracts aren't guaranteed. You get a nice signing bonus depending on who you are. But, the, you know, the rest of them have to work to make the team to get a paycheck. That's motivation, right? And and this game is all about being motivated to be great. So when you pay out that much money, you're just derailing careers, in my opinion. 
And if individually your players aren't, you know, uh, working and, and doing good and maximizing their talent, you're going to suck and you're going to have problems like this. Yep. And they, they're what? not local kids or anything. So it's like having a team full of, you know, Hessian mercenaries or whatever. So, yeah. The money's better somewhere else. They're, they're going to go somewhere else. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, and, and, and then some of these guys that got in trouble are from Texas. But look, still, you pay out that much money. Okay. This is, this is why, you know, what's going on at Tennessee right now. You know, it, it's great. But you know what? They're doing it right now with guys that, that desperately needed second chances uh, like Brew McCoy and Hendon Hooker and uh, Ramel Keaton and uh, a guy like Jalen Hyatt who felt disrespected because nobody offered him because he allegedly was too skinny and had the drops. Um, they're, they're, they're Javari Small, Jalen Wright, they were not heavily recruited guys. Uh, their defense plays that they got a chip on their shoulder. They're not very good talent wise, but they're, they're you know, they, they get out there and play with passion because, you know, that they're working. All right. Tennessee would beat the snot out of Texas A&M right now. Oh, my! I mean, God. destroy them. Boat raced. Um, it would be a <laughs> boat race. Right. Uh, but look what Tennessee's doing in recruiting with uh, the, the multimillion dollar collective or whatever you wait. You wait and see. Wait and see how this pans out for them in a few years, right? Because it won't be fast and furious anymore. It'll be drama. Uh, you know, you, you just wait. If the money's like they say, and I have no reason to doubt A&M's money was big time, yeah. then, then you wait. You, this is not. This is the start. And you know, Look, man, if I'm Texas A&M, I'm in a state where kids love football, where you can find players, um, you know, I'll, I will have a roster to compete by using a fraction of that money. You, you do have to give, you know, it, it is nice when you can have a collective in place to when kids enroll, you know, they're, they're giving them initial NIL deals, which is perfectly legal, by the way. You can't entice them with it, uh, but once you kind of get it rolling, people know, uh, by the way, um, you know, Carolina Rise, uh, go join. We need you. <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. this, this class uh, needs to, uh, when they when they enroll in IL deals, some of them enroll in January. But, um, you know, that's the thing about it. Uh, that's the thing about it. Now, other to your point, Cam, and I, I'll get off this topic, Jimbo Fisher had a disaster of a culture when he left Florida State. And a lot of top five recruiting classes leading up to that. So, you know, if I'm Jimbo, kind of looking in the mirror going, man, you know, when it's worked for me, I've either inherited a bunch of guys from the old staff here at A&M and gone nine and one, or uh, at Florida State when he first got there, and here's a, here's a contrast for you. Here, here's something interesting. Well, I think his first uh, recruiting class at FSU was 2010. I think they signed famous Jameis in 2011. They won it all in 2013. You know who was in that first recruiting class in 2010? a bunch of top Florida kids. Florida kids love football. Florida kids that grew up wanting to go to Florida State. And then a couple of South Georgia dudes, and that was it. I mean, Jimbo recruited from the car, okay? Because I interviewed him. I interviewed him after he took over for Bowden, and he's just driving around recruiting, you know? That group won a national championship for FSU and was dominant, right? Because they knew what it was all about. Years later, Florida State starts going all over the country again. It falls off. That same class before this A&M class last year, that same class at the University of Florida that year, 
2010 was numerically the top recruiting class in the history of college football. And it lasted through all of Alabama's classes, right? Numerically, as far as highly ranked guys. I think one, like two guys, Sharif Floyd and Dominique Easley even made it. I mean, even were still on the team. I mean, this is what Muschamp inherited in Florida, by the way. Urban Meyer only coached one more year with this bunch and was gone. Yep. Um, and they were they went all over the country. They had a lot of top Florida kids, too, with a lot of checkered backgrounds. And, and so sometimes, you know, people get scared when you amass all of this talent. Uh, but the rankings are, you know, recruiting ranking guys, they, they can't. If they hear something or see something that's blatant, they'll drop a kid for off-the-field stuff uh, or grades because that kind of can derail you too. But then you don't really know. We don't do personality tests or or, or, or or the wonder lick or anything like that. You know, we don't know. We don't do, do a deep dive. You know, they're, it's just based on play. And this game is not one where you can just step on the field and play at any point. You know, so if this ends up falling apart on Jimbo out there, you got that, and you got the Urban Meyer example of Florida to where, look, man, you know, it, it's it's nice to everybody talk about your number one recruiting class, right, and all that, but you better make sure you're getting the right guys and you have the right culture not only uh, to get them in and to recruit them, but to motivate them and develop them as players. Mm-hmm. It's a developmental game. That's well, look why, at TCU, JC, in the same state. Yeah. You know, I mean, you know, you don't hear about all the money that they've got in their coffers and buying, no. you know, yeah. yeah. They're, they're a good solid three. And Gary Patterson made a living off that. So is Baylor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I same. mean, yeah. look at look at Baylor and TCU and Oklahoma State right now compared to Oklahoma, Texas, and Texas A&M. Mm-hmm. Now, now Oklahoma is going to be back. They've got other issues. Uh, they've, their roster got gutted. But, you know, it's been a while now that Baylor, TCU, and Oklahoma, Oklahoma State consistently outperformed the Horns, the Aggies, and the and the uh, uh, the, uh, the Horns and the Aggies. You know, uh, so anyway, Marcus Brown asked if Jaden Bradford's reclassifying. I have not heard that. Uh, if you have, let me know. Because uh, I think that would be interesting. Because the speculation was Dante Reno would reclassify. Uh, that doesn't look like it's going to happen. But if if Bradford reclassified, I, you know, I'd take him over. You know, I, I love Lenora Sellers quite a, a lot, but but I've always thought Jaden Bradford was really really good, so I'd take him too. Um, eight JM two says not saying it's easy, but it's a bunch of programs we should beat. I don't know, man. Texas A and M's been in October for a while. You you, you think Gamecock should beat A and M? Uh, I agree. Oh, yeah, I agree with Kentucky and Missouri for sure. Oh yeah, yeah. Hopefully we're oh, not talking after that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, we're not talking. Hopefully we're not talking about a, a losing streak, a four game losing streak to Mizzou after this weekend because it's bad. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. No one cares. They were smoking weed, but it's smoking in the locker room. Yeah. <laughs> Did a Texas A didn't fly into Columbia? Sounds like a felony. Wow. Uh, South Carolina Gamecock man says Satterfield is a clock manager OC. As soon as we get 10 points or so ahead, he starts running the most vanilla play calls to run time off the clock. I haven't noticed that, man. I'll have to look into it. I'll have to look into the, the running that I didn't notice that when they got 17 nothing. It was just a misfire. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, some people will argue for Auburn and AM over us, but we're the flagship of our state, which is probably why we keep attracting big name coaches. 
I don't know. I mean, I th- you you busted the big door. You busted the door open for big name coaches with Lou Holtz. Uh, you Steve know, Spurrier, Eddie Spurrier, you know, yeah. Yeah, I, but, I, I think it's an attractive place to work. I mean, I, I think that's the case there. I mean, Shane Beamer is a Beamer. That is a big name in college football, but not Shane Beamer. You know, uh, AJM2 says Alabama would have destroyed that FSU team. Uh, when was that, 2013? Alabama got beat on the kick six. You saw how weak they were once they got out of the friendly confines of the ACC. We would have destroyed that FSU team, too. Yeah, if you hadn't lost Tennessee, it maybe could have happened. Um, and, look, I agree with you there. Uh, they were just dominant up to that point. There was no playoff. Uh, the next year, they had a lot of those guys back, too, including Jameis Winston. Uh, and they kind of they kind of had a season a lot like Clemson's having right now. You know, Clemson's like uh, – I didn't notice that Clemson's not beating teams very bad at all. You know, they're not, they're not blowing anybody out right now, but they're winning. FSU had a similar year and then got in the playoff and Oregon boat raced them 59 to 20 in the first ever playoff. Um, 76 says, I realized Jimbo had success as a coach, but I always felt he was a phony, particularly once he came out from under Bobby Bowden. Just my personal opinion. Never liked the guy. You know, I think he's been good. I think he's a little overrated. Um, I've never liked his offense, you know. Um, Anytime Nick Saban's like, the best offensive coordinator I've ever had was Jimbo Fisher. Um, then that means uh, I, I want to go back to the late nineties. Yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, yeah, cause no, that's what Saban would prefer to do. He was laughing the other day and he was like, uh, Tennessee got in the eye formation one time last week and our kids literally did not know. They, what to have, do. Yeah. <laughs> they didn't know what to do. Yeah. So it's crazy. All right. Top of the hour break. We got Jamie's going to be with us around 1230. So more time. Uh, we're going to get to the iHealth Consulting mailbag, continue to kick around a couple of topics here on Thank God U of SC is gone Wednesday on Inside the Gamecocks the Show. We'll be back. If you're a listener, you know I feel strongly that if you're in the upstate and are in need of real estate services, Cindy Searfoss is your go-to person. Searfoss of Caldwell Banker Kane uh, can help you with any of your realty needs right there in the upstate of South Carolina, Greenville, Spartanburg, Anderson, Oconee, uh, Pickens, wherever you are, Cindy can help you with that. She's married to a die-hard Gamecock fan, has been in the upstate for more than 35 years. Right there in my hometown of Spartanburg, Daniel Morgan Avenue. Contact Cindy, 864-414-5271, or email ccearfoss, C-S-E-A-R-F-O-S-S, at cbcane.com, C-B-C-A-I-N-E. That's Cindy Searfoss, a proud sponsor of the Inside the Gamecocks podcast. Check her out. We've already gotten several emails from listeners uh, that are very impressed with her professionalism and her ability to help you with your real estate needs. 864-414-5271, Cindy Searfoss of Caldwell Banker Kane. If you're looking to sell or buy multifamily property right here in South Carolina, the Burgesson team of Remax at the Lake can help you get to closing fast and easy. Adam and Derek Burgesson both are very proud Gamecocks and are more than happy to assist you with any of your commercial real estate needs all across the state. You can email Adam at aburgesson at remax.net. That's A-B-E-R-G-E-S-O-N at remax.net to get your next deal underway. The Burgesson team, proud sponsors of Inside the Gamecocks. Hey man, are you sick and tired of your business computer guy? Yes, he takes forever to call me back and doesn't always respond to the requests. 
Yeah, same here. I'm paying him good money. I constantly have issues, and I'm worried he's not backing up my network and securing it properly. Oh, I feel that, man. My head hurts, but I have a good lead on a good idea. I'm calling your boy Matthew Odom today from Heritage Digital. Heritage Digital is an IT firm that specializes in making sure your IT network runs like a dream. If you have one or 500 employees, it doesn't matter. They do it all for one monthly fee and have clients from South Carolina all the way to California. Yeah, I heard that monthly fee's low too, so I don't know why I didn't even think of that. Uh, Do you have 843-699-1001 as Matt's contact number? Yeah, man, I sure do that, or you can go to heritagedigital.com. Man, I hear they do a no-cost assessment. Boy, this will help me. Yeah, I bet. (laughs) I'm getting all that and encouraging everyone else to do the same. Heritage Digital, 843-699-1001 or heritagedigital.com, a proud sponsor of Inside the Gamecocks the show family vacations a new car a new boat all cost money but you don't necessarily have to make more to afford any of that if you can save cash that's flying out the window now i help consulting can help you finally get the kids to disney world upgrade the minivan or drop that new boat in the water next summer let daniel and i help consulting consult with you no fees just savings you pay them a percentage of those savings save on essential services credit card fees you name it let them find it these folks are incredible. iHelpConsulting.com. How can I help you? Hey, folks. JC here. I've told you about Nana's Porch over and over again. They sponsor our chat box on the show. Uh, don't take my word for it, though. I wanted you to hear from Gamecock pitcher Noah Hall about our sponsor, Nana's Porch. Nana'sPorch.com. Go there. Food, truck, catering, whatever you need. Uh, take it away, Noah. What's up, Gamecock fans? This is Pitcher Noah Hall. If you want some delicious food for your event, I suggest visiting nanasporch.com today to find out what they all have to offer. It's really good southern cuisine based out of Charlotte, my hometown. I hope you guys go check it out. Go Cox and go Nanas. What's up? This is Jaheim Bell with the Gamecocks, and you're now listening to Inside the Gamecock Show with JC and Phil. Welcome back inside the Gamecocks. Hey, what's up, Red? Ah, man, he's outside. Cam's heading back to work, by the way. Thanks, Cam. Thanks for yeah, participating, man. buddy. Thanks a lot. And Brian, yeah, this uh, mustache is is filling out uh, nicely, and it, it it's irritating the hell out of me. Now somebody so, told uh, me you shaved it. I think Matt did. No, I'm. I'm yeah, yeah. Still it is. Still going, huh? Yeah, still going, still going. It's bothering the crap out of me, but so long as we keep winning, I don't care. I need to shave <laughs> myself, man. I've got a I've got a little happy hour event I gotta go to this afternoon. So <laughs> I'm uh I'm I'm contemplating shaving and showering before I go. Um so anyway, Zach has an interesting thing here in the Nana Sports chat box. Debo Samuel, Farrell Cooper, Melvin Ingram, Devin Taylor, Scott Moore, DJ Swearinger, Kenny McKinley, all three stars. So is Sidney Rice. So was T.J. Johnson, who played in the NFL for a while. Uh, so many. <laughs> Rokevious Watkins was a two-star. Um, I'm not going to name the assistant coach that, that did not want to take him during that time because he, you all probably know him. <laughs> uh, he's Let's just say he's around these days. Uh, but Rokevious was – and look, I, I, was, I, was, I was in agreement. Rokevious was 6'3", 360 on his visit. And just a, a just a you know a, a blobbish type guy, 
Uh, and, and like, hey, uh, Fitz and those guys, or whoever the strength guy, Fitz and those guys got it off of him. He ended up, you watch Rokevious Watkins in 2010, like in the game at the Swamp where Lattimore ran all over the Gators. He and Pat DeMarco were killing it blocking. Hmm. I mean, Marcus ran behind him. Then he switched to the dude, switched to tackle the next year and played just as well, got drafted. Um, so you just never know. I mean, look, in, especially in state. Uh, look at the players from within the state Clemson's had drafted. You know, D- D- New Hopkins and Mike Williams were low four stars that people had a lot of questions about. Yeah. You know, um, it's kind of funny. The one kind of five-star-ish guy, or a couple five-star guys out of the state they've gotten, or three, were Daquan Bowers, Willie Korn, and uh, Tavian Feaster. You know, Willie's a rising star as an offensive coordinator, had injuries, didn't make it. Uh, uh, Tavian Feaster ended up at Carolina at the end. Um, they got got beat by Travis Etienne, who was a low four-star. Uh, and then, um, you know, uh, Daquan, I think second round, had a really good senior year. And, but then, you know, I think he's an assistant at South Florida now. So, you know, it, it, it's weird when you recruit this state. You know, sometimes the top guys aren't are the top guys. Sometimes the top guys aren't the top guys. Um, you know, but it's all about evaluation and development. Uh, even Alabama, you know, Alabama recruits as well as anyone they've had for fifteen. They have for fifteen years, uh, but they evaluate. You know, they go out and actually they don't take every five star. Trust me, they, they're not no. just star chasers out there at the University of Alabama. Um, you know, so that's the, the good thing there. But thanks for that, Zach. Quantrell says, I've noticed how the media is resistant to the idea that Carolina could ever be great. Um, watched cover three, and there was a guy on there who was flabbergasted. Carolina could even be ranked. It's annoying. They don't know what the hell they're talking about. Yeah, I quit listening to the cover three podcast. Uh, I, was- I wonder who it was, because there's, there's some guys on that podcast that are Really good, and some that aren't. But I work with all of them, so I'm not gonna I'm not gonna I'm not gonna criticize them too much. And I was speaking Quantrell in general about people that don't know what the hell they're not them necessarily. Yeah, yeah. But but look, there's a there's a lot of you know, I think with some people have have this notion that what goes up must come down when when you're dealing with places that haven't been historically good and the rise of Clemson. You know, people look at it and they go, oh, well, South Carolina is going down because honestly, their rise did coincide like their rise to glory, like where everybody's like, holy crap, Clemson's playing for the national championship did coincide with Carolina, the bottom falling out of Carolina. That said, if you bother to do any research at all, (laughs) you'll notice those first couple of Clemson teams. Well, who were the best players on those teams? Well. They had uh, Christian Wilkins, five-star guy out of Connecticut. They had uh, DeAndre, or sorry, uh, what's his name? DeAndre Watson? Watson. Hopkins, the wide receiver? No, no, Watson. What's it? The quarterback. Deshaun. Deshaun. God almighty. How did I forget that name? Man. No, uh, you're not a massage therapist. (laughs) Hello, Deshaun. How are you? We can't talk. Never mind. Um. It, uh, you know, not a massage therapist. Uh, yeah, I can't believe I forget. Clemson fans are going to hate me today. Uh, so Deshaun, Deshaun Watson was from Georgia. Wayne Gallman was a low four-star kid out of Georgia that a lot of people thought were going to play linebacker. Their offensive lines, which are three-star kids from 
South Carolina, and then a five-star Mitch Hyatt out of Georgia, who was a legacy who didn't get drafted. Uh, ben Bolware, low four-star guy. Mike Williams, low four-star guy. Hunter Renfro, nobody even knew who the hell he was. Right, I mean, yeah. he's quarterback at Socrates High School, you know. Um, you, you know that they're five-star guys were guys like Deion Kane and Ray Ray McElwain, but uh, Ray Ray McLeod, who helped, but I don't think they were the superstars on defense. A bunch of three-star guys from South Carolina that the Gamecocks didn't even want. Now that was a mistake on the Gamecocks part, but uh, didn't even want them, you know. And so I, I think that people just assume, oh well, they they they're they're starting to get all the top South Carolina kids, and they they've gotten their share. You know, they had gotten all of them, but they've gotten their share. And they've gone out nationally and gotten big-time recruits, but they didn't build it that way. And the other thing people don't realize is this. South Carolina beat Clemson five years in a row. Only one time did they beat a Clemson team during that stretch with a losing record. Here are the other teams that they beat. They beat the first Atlantic Coast Conference Atlantic Division champion team in school history with C.J. Spiller, okay, in 09. Then they beat a team that was six and seven. They got Billy Napier fired, uh, but still went to a bowl. They lost to uh, Skip Holtz of South Florida in the uh, Bel- uh, Charlotte Bowl. The next year, they beat the ACC champions, who went to the Orange Bowl. The next year, they beat a, uh, an eleven and two team that won the Peach Bowl and beat LSU. And the next year, they beat a, a team that went eleven and two and beat Ohio State in the Orange Bowl. Those were not bad Clemson teams, right? Yeah. Right. Uh, and so so here's the deal. You know, why in the hell can't Clemson and South Carolina be good? All you got to do is use your brain. Uh, Auburn and Alabama have been good. Auburn's not down because Alabama's good. Uh, in fact, Auburn, Auburn's roster is probably a little bit better because they don't have to split all the talent in a loaded state because Bama goes all over the country. Right. It used yeah. to be Auburn had to go to Florida and Georgia and get 33 percent of the guys because Alabama was that dominant in state. Yeah, now Alabama's getting top two, three, four, and then you do. Auburn's got problems because they're Auburn. And I think that'll change because I think they'll make a good hire. But they got problems because they're Auburn. So that wasn't a yin and a yang situation. Uh, so, 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 you know, and the state of South Carolina has a higher population by a little bit than the state of Alabama. Mississippi and Mississippi State have both been good at the same time. That's a, that, that, that state's half the size of the state of South Carolina. Right, their stadiums are half the size of South Carolina's, and they play in a historically tougher division. All right, so, so why can't why, why are we shocked that South Carolina's good? Because, well, they they, they made a, a hire that didn't work out in Will Muschamp. Yeah, it didn't. But look at all the players he left. Shane Beamer, you know. Oh, Shane Beamer's never even been a coordinator. Well, you know, nobody was shocked when Mike Leach and Mississippi State beat A and M by eighteen. Or they know because there's always Mike Leach. There's another thing about these guys, and they're probably never going to give South Carolina credit for it either. They, they don't care about defense, they, they love offense. You know, it's like, oh, Mike Leach, who? And I love Mike Leach just because he's Mike Leach, you know, but, and I wish South Carolina had an, an offense that, that, you know, was nice like that. Uh, but, you know, they just automatically assume, oh, this guy here. I mean, all right, here's an example of the national media. When they were ranking coaches, Shane Beamer's first year, Brian Harson was eighth in the SEC. Dan Mullen was up there too. He got fired. I mean, there are a lot of fired guys on that list, you know? Uh, and, and so, and, and look, and other people that also like attach themselves to things like 
you know, the blue chip ratio and things like that. Uh, they don't know anything. I mean, it, the blue chip ratio basically is this, and people are married to it. And, I, and it, it's valid. It's true. But <laughs> it's also like saying, hey, look, every time you add nine and one, you're going to get, or every time you want to get to 10, uh, you need to add, uh, you know, some number between one and nine and some number between one and nine. That's Captain Obvious, okay? Uh, it, it says nothing about what kind of roster do you need to assemble to, to win 10 games, to be competitive, to where you can get to the point where you can start getting more blue chippers. It says nothing about that. There's no gradual climb formula, right, for the, the blue chip formula. It just is what it is. If you want to win a national championship, you got to have this. Win a national championship, which is one of the hardest things to do in all sports in college football, okay? And that's tried true. But people cling to it like we suck. And some people like promote it like this team sucks if they're this kind of blue chip ratio. You know, I'm going to tell you who has a great blue chip ratio this year. Miami. What was the final score of the Miami-Duke game? What about Miami and Middle Tennessee State? You know, Tennessee at this point does not have a good blue chip ratio. But you know when they did? When uh, Champions of Life was coaching? Yeah, they were recruiting well. Yeah, and, and, and they lost to Carolina and Vandy and blew the division, and he got fired. They didn't win a game. They had, and they had a great blue chip ratio. You know who else has one? Florida State. You know? Yeah. And, and look, they're getting there, and I've got a friend that works there, and I pull for them. But they're not there yet, okay? You know, uh, Southern Cal went 5-7 and seven last year. Great blue chip ratio. You know who doesn't all the time? Oregon. You know who barely snuck into that one A national championship was Clemson. You know, and Clemson played for it the year before, and they were micro. You know, so so look, man. You know, and you can look at Carolina's roster. They have so many guys that are like, if you look at it numerically, eighty nine point eight one in composite, which is the highest three star. I mean, they're right there. Come on. All that means is somebody somewhere in the recruiting industry did, was like, oh, we're not going to make, had a favorite player that they had to put in the in the top whatever, and so they bumped that guy down. You know, so, um, I, you know, Quantrell, I, I don't know what to tell you, and, and it's fine, and I'm crowing a little bit today, and, you know, Carolina loses to Missouri, I'm going to hang my head and probably say they're all right. But uh, I, uh, I don't get it, and I certainly don't get why heading into the game against A&M, even though A&M was a favorite, three-point favorite in the ball game, while heading into the game, like, oh, it better not lose to South Carolina. Yeah. <laughs> well, they lost to Appalachian State, and I know I know App, before everybody says I know App, beat Carolina in 2019. Um, oh, they beat a great Miami team. Oh, my God, you know. <laughs> yeah, we see that, uh, yeah, how great that Miami team is right ooh, now. Oh, <laughs> shoe buddy. Uh, they're struggling, and Jimbo was saying it. Yeah, we're young. We've got injuries. Our offensive lines is why is it so embarrassing? Oh, they're gonna they should have lost to South Carolina. Why? Because of their recruiting ranking? That didn't mean a damn thing. Mm-mm. You know, because of their payroll. <laughs> you know, this Missouri team coming in here this weekend probably does not have a good blue chip ratio, but they're and they don't have a good record either. Um, but the star ratings and stuff like that, as far as who's going to win Saturday, that has nothing to do with each other. Yeah, it's not yeah. like they're going to fall down and lay over and let us go, you know, win. <laughs> yeah, now are Carolina's five stars playing like it? Yeah. Maybe not Spencer Rattler. But, but you know, Marshawn Lloyd was a borderline five-star. He's playing well. Pickens is playing well. Birch is getting there. You know, high four-star guy. I mean, four-star guy like uh, Taka Hemingway, you know. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, Cam Smith playing well. But also Darius Rush, who was – nobody ever thought he would play. So, yeah, that's what I'm saying, you know. And, and then people – the other thing is they don't understand that, you know, Steve Spurrier and Lou Holtz and Will Muschamp, those are the last three hires before Shane Beaver. And, and Shane wanted this job because he loves South Carolina. He sees the potential in the place. I think he's a lot like his dad wants to – a lot like his dad and Spurrier wants to do something nobody's been, nobody's ever done. He sees the potential in it, right? Um, you know, so that that's a different type of interest, okay? Uh, you know what else was interested in the job? Billy Napier, who's at Florida, and Scott Satterfield, who was at, who's at Louisville, and, you know, won a bunch of games at App State. Uh, but you go back, you know, Louisville, Steve Spurrier, Will Muschamp. You know, say what you want about Muschamp, the guy knows football. And he knows about resources, and he knows what programs are good. Not, I mean, the guy's an encyclopedia. He he would not have taken this. He stayed at Auburn and, and bided his time had he not seen the potential. Same with Spurrier. Same with Lou Holtz. Okay, those are three great football minds. So they're not all sitting there going, "Oh man, I don't know about this job." I mean, everybody just trashed the Mississippi State job. They thought Dan Mullen was some miracle worker, right? Well, Mike Leach jumped at it. You know why? Because Mike Leach is at Washington State and Texas Tech in these backwater nowhere areas, tumbleweeds, uh, and he saw. I can. He, he looked and goes, "Man, I had to get on a jet and fly all around Texas uh, from freaking Lubbock to get players because there, there's not a lot of players in West Texas, that part of West Texas." Uh, and then Pullman, Washington, you, you can't find players anywhere. You, you're you're closer to Idaho than anywhere else. Okay, there's no players <laughs> in Idaho. And if, if, they, if there are, they're going to Boise State, right, play on that blue turf. So you got to go down to California. I mean, they had, I, I visited with their staff at Washington State. Unfortunately, Leach was out of town. But at one summer uh, when I was at 24-7 Sports, we flew out for the opening and drove out to Washington State uh, and visited with their staff. And they have a whole recruiting board from America, American Samoa. That's how hard it is to get players there. Leach looked at Mississippi State and goes, ah, Stillwater's my kind of town, and I can throw a rock and hit 10 players that can start for us at Washington State right now. Hmm. Doesn't matter what star rating they are. Okay, so people generally don't know what the hell they're talking about, <laughs> you know, when it, when it the potential of programs. I see the potential in a lot of – you know who doesn't have a lot of potential? New Mexico State. Vanderbilt. They're restricted. Vanderbilt, you know, right, Vandy, yeah. Vandy did a – they're gonna all. They're gonna build a statue for James Franklin one day. There, you know, I, 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 I there's potential everywhere, guys. Mm-hmm. It takes the right person. Uh, it takes a talent base, and if not, if you don't have a talent base, you know, like Nebraska's finding this out right now. You know, they, they don't have a built-in talent base where you get the right guy in there, and all of a sudden, uh, players start it like LSU. Like you get the right coach in there, all of a sudden, all the in-state guys are going to start staying. You're winning championships. Yeah, you need a talent base. South Carolina's got that. You know, no, they, they can't rely alone on in-state talent. I'd like to see it if they tried. I think they'd pr- still be competitive. They wouldn't win big, but they'd be competitive. Um, but you can go up and down the eastern seaboard. It's a popular state to go on vacation. Um, you know, a lot of kids go to Florida, University of Florida, because it's in Florida. And they don't realize it's not nowhere near the beach. <laughs> yeah, South Carolina can <laughs> yeah. sell that too, you know. Um, you know, the, the, the facilities are, are second to none. They keep improving the crowd support. I mean, there's just no reason why other than, oh, it's never been done. Well, and, and it's hard when it's never been done in college football to do it. I agree. It's very rare. You know, Oregon's the only team that used to be awful 
that's now nationally competitive. Because because Clemson was never awful. They had a breakthrough, a small breakthrough in the eighties under Ford, where they won one. Um, but you know, it took them twenty something years to get back. It took Georgia forty years to get back. It's hard. It's hard, guys. But that said, you know, people that go oh, South Carolina, they, they don't know what they're talking about. I mean, they, they just don't. It, it's it, it, they don't do any research. You know, they, they don't do any uh, digging in, you know, and they just assume, well, small state, not a lot of talent, mainly because a lot of people in recruiting don't really care to scout the state or, or, or anything. You know, people, again, people not doing a good job covering it. Uh, and they're like, oh, well, Clemson's good, so they can't be. That's not true. South Carolina yeah. and Clemson, there's been several instances where the Gamecocks and Tigers have both been good at the same time. It, one is not dependent on the other. Uh, in fact, when the Gamecocks and Tigers are good, the Gamecocks usually win the game. <laughs> five to the five straight, they usually win the game. 84, they won the game. 87 was the top 10 matchup. The Gamecocks won the game. Um, you know, you can go back through history and kind of see that, you know, when, when both are really good, the Gamecocks usually win. You know, when they're not, when they're both bad, uh, Clemson usually usually wins. And then when Clemson's good and Carolina's not good, obviously that's a different story. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I didn't mean to go off like that, but I, I'm tired of that narrative, uh, you know, yeah. around here. Because, it's, you know, this program also, you know, when you get close, if you're close in this sport, that means you can get back and kick in the door. All right, so, th- so look, um, this program has been close twice. You're literally, if the ball bounces a certain way in a couple of games in 84 and 2013, you may be looking at national champions 84 and 2013. You know, if the ball bounces a certain way in one game a year for five years, South Carolina would have won the East five straight years under Spurrier. And and, and Spurrier was great. He's a Hall of Fame coach for a reason. And we all miss him. I miss him. We all miss him. Uh, No offense to Shane Beaver or anybody else. It's just fun to cover the head ball coach, right? Um, and he won. But I'll say this. Did he win at South Carolina like he won at Florida? No. He won with defense, ball control, running quarterback, uh, zone read, running game. Now, he can still dial them up when he wanted to. But that's not how they won at South Carolina. I mean, it was it was a completely different deal. So that's uh, – so so everybody that thought of Spurrier's – those they're dialing up ball plays and, and that's why they won. No, go look at the results. Go, did, did you watch them play? No, I guess no. not. Yeah. <laughs> I guess not. Whoa, well, JC, you know I love the show, but that Asian massage impression, that ain't cool. No, I wasn't, I wasn't doing an Asian massage. There's there's Russian massage parlors. My eight, hey, I'll say this eight JM2. My fiance's Thai, so I would never go there. So, sorry about that. Uh, I wanted much, uh, blah, blah, blah. We're going through here. Spur did have fun with Dylan Thompson, though, yeah. And Cynical Aries says, JC, great analysis, as always. Choo-choo adds a good point. Seems like the team's playing tougher. Was it getting smacked in the mouth versus Arkansas and Georgia? What have y'all seen? I think you make a very good point. I think those games, as painful as they were, especially for the defensive line. Now, and I've said this since then. Not going to see. Maybe if Clemson decides to show up and play on the offensive line because they do have good personnel, 
But listen, man, I've been watching some clips of football lately. Those, those boys don't always play. No, they're not the team that they're we're in, accustomed to seeing. They're you know, and they're talented as all get outs. And when they flip yeah. the switch, you know, eventually, eventually you're not going to be able to flip the switch. You can run into a team good enough. Uh, they flipped the switch against Syracuse and started playing, but I, um, you know, I, I think I think that their offensive line could probably, you know, be problematic. Uh, I also it, it would probably be third behind Arkansas and Georgia's. Tennessee, hell, all they have to do is hold the guy up for two seconds. I mean, they don't – they just got to stand there and like, all right, come on, we got you, yeah. throw the ball, throw the ball. Throw. It's like a fire <laughs> drill. Hut, hut, throw the ball. Right? Yeah. Um, and so they're not going to see another offensive line. And I, I think getting hit in the mouth like that, you know, and then getting the, getting right in the get-right games, that's that has facilitated a lot more toughness. And on defense too, guys. Defense mm-hmm. too. This defense is playing like the defense that – when Carolina wins, we're accustomed to see. We got to go and get Jamie in here really, really quick. We appreciate uh, all the folks in the chat box. And we'll be back after these messages with the final second. If you're looking to sell or buy multifamily property right here in South Carolina, the Burgesson team of Remax at the Lake can help you get to closing fast and easy. Adam and Derek Burgesson both are very proud Gamecocks and are more than happy to assist you with any of your commercial real estate needs all across the state. You can email Adam at aburgesson at remax.net. That's A-B-E-R-G-E-S-O-N at remax.net to get your next deal underway. The Burgesson team, proud sponsors of Inside the Gamecocks. Attention golfers of all ages and skill sets. Former Gamecock golfer Meredith Taylor will be a full-time golf instructor in the Midlands of South Carolina very, very soon. You want to take advantage of this opportunity. If you're like me and you got to get a whole lot better at golf, or even if you're looking to refine your swing, Meredith is the person you need to go to. She's competing in her final USGA Mid-Amateur Tournament this summer before going full-time into teaching and coaching individuals. If you're in South Carolina, Meredith will be conducting in-person golf lessons at the Country Club of Lexington. Half hour, hour, on course. She'll play 9 or 18 with you. If you're out of state, though, this is really exciting. She'll be conducting virtual lessons. You can send in your swing for her expert analysis. Also, in November, she'll launch an online course with video instruction for all ages and skill levels. Meredith has 20-plus years of knowledge, former SEC golfer, all of that. So contact her on Twitter at Mer Taylor at M E R T A Y L O R or go to McKellarEnterprises.org. McKellar spelled M C K E L L A R Enterprises.org. Her email's on the website so you can connect with her for any other questions. Go get your golf game in order. Take advantage of Meredith Taylor and her services. Family vacations, a new car, a new boat, all cost money, but you don't necessarily have to make more to afford any of that if you can save cash that's flying out the window now. iHelp Consulting can help you finally get the kids to Disney World, upgrade the minivan, or drop that new boat in the water next summer. Let Daniel and iHelp Consulting consult with you. No fees, just savings. You pay them a percentage of those savings. Save on essential services, credit card fees, you name it. Let them find it. These folks are incredible. iHelpConsulting.com. How can I help you? Hey, folks. JC here. I've told you about Nana's Porch over and over again. They sponsor our chat box on the show. Uh, don't take my word for it, though. I wanted you to hear from Gamecock pitcher Noah Hall about our sponsor, Nana's Porch. Nana'sPorch.com. Go there. Food truck catering. 
whatever you need. Uh, take it away, Noah. What's up, Gamecock fans? This is Pitcher Noah Hall. If you want some delicious food for your event, I suggest visiting nanasports.com today to find out what they all have to offer. It's really good southern cuisine based out of Charlotte, my hometown. I hope you guys go check it out. Go Cox and go Nanas. Hey, man, are you sick and tired of your business computer guy? Yes, he takes forever to call me back and doesn't always respond to the requests. Yeah, same here. I'm paying him good money. I constantly have issues, and I'm worried he's not backing up my network and securing it properly. Oh, I feel that, man. My head hurts, but I have a good lead on a good idea. I'm calling your boy Matthew Odom today from Heritage Digital. Heritage Digital is an IT firm that specializes in making sure your IT network runs like a dream. If you have one or 500 employees, it doesn't matter. They do it all for one monthly fee and have clients from South Carolina all the way to California. Yeah, I heard that monthly fee's low too, so I don't know why I didn't even think of that. Uh, Do you have 843-699? One zero zero one is Matt's contact number. Yeah, man, I sure do that. Or you can go to heritagedigital.com. Man, I hear they do a no cost assessment. Boy, this will help me. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> I'm getting on that and encouraging everyone else to do the same. Heritage Digital, 843-699-1001 or heritagedigital.com. A proud sponsor of Inside the Gamecocks, the show. This, this is Braylon Wimmer, South Carolina Gamecock Baseball. And you are listening to Inside the Gamecocks, the show with JC and Phil. Go Cox! Welcome back, everybody, to Inside the Gamecocks, the show. Second hour of the show is brought to you by the Burgesson team at Remax at the Lake. Give Adam or Derek a call or shoot him an email at A Burgesson. That's B E R G E S O N at Remax.net. For all of your commercial real estate needs and as usual we are joined by jamie bradford on a wednesday afternoon jamie appreciate you being here as always man good to see you yeah sorry about the uh in the truck uh view today um, yeah kinda, no worries got a bunch of stuff going on and so kind of running around right now but you I'm look great man. Yeah, man yeah sounds great sounds great um so jamie uh Saturday night obviously was a, a big night. You were there. Uh, your thoughts and impressions of uh, just everything, the atmosphere, the the game, how it unfolded, um, looked great. Special night. And I mentioned last week, JC, Phil, and uh, the week before, not that I'm taking credit for this, but I just mentioned that um, I thought that when Coach Tanner and Chance hired Shane that, that was that was what they were hiring him for. You know, they hired him for a moment like that, and it delivered. Uh, you know, the atmosphere was outstanding. It was like the old days at williams Bryce. Um, credit to the fans for just an unbelievable night. Uh, credit to the University of South Carolina, of course, for what we've been seeing all season long, just how they've enhanced the, the game day experience there. Um you know, you had a team coming in that you, you've never beaten before. Uh, we all knew the, the challenge that would be in front of them because A&M, is, even though they've struggled this year, you know, they they it's not like they've been, you know, really blown out. I mean, I know they had the one, I think it was 42-24 loss. But, you know, outside of that, I mean, they, they've, they've been in close games. I mean, there's a bunch of talent on that side. you got a coach who's been through everything, right? And you knew they – 
you knew they weren't going to go away. I mean, you thought with that start, oh, my gosh, you know, this is resembling, resembling what happened in 2012 with Georgia, and you could feel the energy in there. Uh, of course, Carol- Carolina couldn't really capitalize early on and kind of put them out of their misery. But, um, but nonetheless, you know, th- that place was what South Carolina football has always been about. Uh, it was loud. It was fun. It was, it was everything that you want Saturday nights to be. And uh, Carolina is now back in the top 25. And I think I saw the stats, the latest they've been ranked in the season since 2013, which is just hard to even fathom. Uh, but it's true. And uh, hopefully these next couple of games provide big opportunities to keep improving on that 25 ranking. Gamecocks are number 25 uh, in the APN coaches poll this week. Um, you know, and it is first time they've been ranked this late in those polls uh, since 2013. 2017, they got ranked briefly. You remember that? Uh, yeah. Everybody thought it was so Clemson could get uh, a top 25 win. Um, I think, but that was in the in the playoff poll. But yeah, in, in the regular old standard run of the mill polls, uh, yeah. and certainly we're not used to them being ranked in October. I mean, they've either you know the one good year in a Mustang they kind of had a hole to dig out of, or, or they're kind of going. They've usually had a hole to dig out of, and and they did this year, but it happened early enough to where, you know, you don't uh, don't really worry about it. Uh, you know, Marshawn Lloyd, and I've got an article hmm. coming out about breaking kind of him down and and what he's been doing these last four games. Well, he's been on fire, uh, and and it's not just oh he's finally got holes to run through. He's making some of his own holes. He's making people miss. He's breaking tackles. He's using his explosiveness, following his blocks. Uh, and he's also a pretty good receiver. He has 17 catches for 173 yards this year, yeah. two touchdowns through the air. That, that's pretty solid, especially for a running back. Um, your your thoughts about him and and his performance uh, last Saturday, particularly in the second half. You know, when Carolina needed two touchdowns, they got it. And, and it reminded me of that Bama game in 2010 when, okay, you know, Bama's making their comeback. Let's give the ball to Marcus. You know, let's complete some short passes. And then Brian Maddox in that game actually had a really big run. I think Marcus's shoe had come off or something. And Maddox <laughs> goes for like 25. Mm-hmm. And the Gamecocks in that game, they needed two touchdowns and they got them. Um, you know, your yeah. thoughts about the second half and how they kind of rode Lloyd and, uh, and and got what they needed to get to get done. Well, you, you know, for, you know, first of all, it shouldn't have taken uh, Coach Beamer saying, hey, look, let's, you know, maybe give the ball to our best player. Um, but, but with that said, you know, we all, I don't know, I'm pretty sure that everybody that's watching or listening to this program has a favorite. Everybody in their time has a favorite running back that's played here. I know clearly if you're from the generation prior to the generation that I'm from, you know, it was, it was a George Rogers. It was a Thomas Dendy, somebody like that. Um, you know, if you, uh, you know, paid attention in the 90s to Gamecock football, you know, you probably fell in love with guys like Brandon Bennett. Uh, you, f- you fell in love with guys like Deuce Staley and Stanley Pritchett. Um, and then, you know, beyond that, you fell in love with the Ryan Brewers and the and the Derek Watsons and clearly the Marcus Lattimores. Um, one of my all-time favorites, one of my favorite people too, Corey Boyd. Well, there's a lot of people who I hate to say this, and I mean it respectfully are going to be replacing some of those names at some point in time with Marshawn Lloyd. This kid is, is phenomenal. I mean, he, he is, we've heard it JC and you, you knew this before he got to campus because of your contacts in the recruiting industry. There's something different about this kid. 
and and he's got a bunch of he's got a bunch of stuff that is not really coachable it's just natural ability and then you just got to get him to go out there and, and play football and certainly we needed him to get healthy after those couple of injuries and he is everything you need and could ever dream of I mean I, I no disrespect to any other running back in the league but it is difficult for me to find any team in this league that he would not be starting for. And that includes boys and girls, Alabama. I mean, I like Jameer Gibbs, but I, it's hard to not like Marshawn Lloyd. And, um, he, you know, he, he deserves – he wants it, and he deserves to have this team on his back. And it should be. You know, um, it, it, it was a disgrace the other night that they go into halftime. The guy's got four carries or whatever it was. I mean, I'm sitting here thinking – what are we doing? We got third two and we got, you know, no offense, but we've got uh, Christian Beal Smith taking a snap and juice wells at running back. And you got the best player on the damn field on the sidelines over there, put him in the game. What are we doing here? Um, so it, it's, you know, and I'm not trying necessarily, I mean, I am being critical. I, I get that. Um, but this is more of a compliment to Marshawn Lloyd. Like when you need, something you need a yard you need a first down you need a touchdown it is very difficult for me to figure out why he isn't getting the football and at the very least why he wouldn't be on the field so somebody can account for him um so he's just uh he's special and carolina is pretty darn lucky to have him uh and i i anticipate the next few games i i really hope that he continues to be the center point of the offense because it clicks when he's when he's out there yeah i uh Taking him off the field is kind of weird. I mean, in my opinion, because um, right, right, you know, right now, I think Bill Smith does a good job in the red zone. I mean, he doesn't even have a hundred yards rushing this year, but four touchdowns, which I think, I think he can kind of he can kind of sniff it out a little bit. I like that sure. about him. Yeah, uh, Juju McDowell is not he is not a number number two. Uh, he's not a back. He, he's not your typical second back. He, he's kind of a third all purpose guy. Uh, and I think he struggled because they've kind of forced him into that role when CBS has been hurt. Uh, not ideal on, on the third down play or anything. Uh, you know, yeah. I, I like them going to Jaheim up the middle so, uh, a couple of times maybe. But uh, you're right. If you want that extra yard, Marshawn, Marshawn needs to get it. And, and especially when you're in like a situation like a third and more than five. I mean, you know, because yeah. he, he can also catch the ball in the backfield. Uh, Spencer Rattler, I'm going to throw some st- stats at you uh, uh, put out earlier a lot of people are critical of him i know he's made some mistakes uh needs to get uh you know needs to needs to be better the whole passing attack needs to be better and i think there's a number of reasons for that uh but he's not been perfect uh but check this out i think he's starting to get a knack for third down conversions uh he's 11 for 18 on third down the last two games averaging 9.8 yards poor attempt and six of those eleven passes have gone for eighteen yards or more. I think that's clutch. I think it's kind of clutch, you know. What is and and but they also have kind of found a found what works there. And they can you hear me? Sorry about that. Oh yeah, gotta, oh, gotta, no, you're back. You're good. I, hey, I, don't I don't worry. You're not Michael Flynn. Okay. No, <laughs> no. But uh, to to Mike's credit, I got a phone call. Um, oh. Um, yeah, so now I know he's telling the truth when that happens. But, um, well, I mean, they've kind of found a groove there with what works on third down, and they've simplified it for him, and he's comfortable. I mean, and, and I think that that's where he's at his best is 
with things that make him, you know, comfortable. Right. So, um, yeah, that's, that's a huge stat. You got to be able to convert third downs in the sec, uh, in order to win games. And, um, and obviously they have been able to do that as, as hunky dory and up and down, you know, the offense has seemed to be throughout the season. Uh, they, they've been pretty good there on third downs, especially lately. And so, and that's going to need to continue. It's going to need to continue, this week and then the following week in Nashville, it's still the SEC and these teams are sneaky and they're looking for wins and they're desperate for them and they're going to they're gonna do what it takes, right? And um, they're aware of that number now too, guys. So, you know, they're going to make sure that they try to confuse Spencer Rattler. He, he will make mistakes. He has. And so they're going to try to make sure that they can take advantage of that where they can on third down. But to your point, he, for the criticism that he's got, uh, he's been special. Now, I will also say this. Um, you know, there's a lot that just has, there's a lot he's got in, he's still not seeing the whole field. I I had a, I had a conversation on Sunday about, with somebody about this. I can tell you right now, there is no doubt that this individual knows exactly what's going on with Spencer Rattler. Um, with that said, I'm not sure he would be dealing with as much criticism if he's dealing with it at all, or we would be hearing as much had he been helped at different times. There's multiple interceptions that had nothing to do with him. There's mm-hmm. been a ton of drops this weekend. That ball he threw to the back of the end zone, difficult catch it may have been, should have been caught by Jalen Brooks. That ball was thrown on a dart of a line. It was yeah. a hell of a throw. I don't know why Jalen got twisted around like that, man. I, it, it dropped over his shoulder. I mean, it was, he would have just caught it in stride if he didn't have done that. Catch, catch the ball. Yeah, exactly. And Jalen's caught a lot of passes like that this year, kind of on his Absolutely. back and stuff. It, that just kind of I think he got the wind knocked out of him when he fell back on his back, which does happen in football. Sure, yeah, I, and I'm not beating up on Jalen Brooks. The guy is He's no. look at what he's done. He's had some highlight reel catches going what back. A, what a play that would have been for Spencer Rattler, I think. Because you're yeah. talking about 60 more yards then. I mean, you're talking, and then, you know, and a touchdown. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. I mean, I, he, he has to be, look, he, he doesn't, in my opinion, he does not have to be his best the next two weeks to win the game. Now, he can't, he can't lose in the game, but he doesn't have to be his best to win the game. There will be games later on this season. We all know it, and we know where they are. He will have to be the best Spencer Rattler he's ever been in order for them to win those games. Yes, we know what, what the games those are, Jamie. <laughs> uh, but I feel I, like I, he's priming the pump right now. I mean, that's the whole thing. Like The people who are just panning him as having a terrible season, I think they're just completely off base. But, you know, there are some things I bet he wish he had back. Uh, and at the same time, you're priming that pump for when you're really, really, really going to need him. I think, you know, you're, not that you're going to be able to coast through the next two games or even three if uh, if you you get a demoralized Florida in three weeks. Uh, but, you know, <laughs> he's coming along. And I think, you know, it's interesting. I was reading something Brad Crawford said, I think, coming out of the weekend was like our identity is Marshawn Lloyd. Uh, and, you know, that he is the key in the centerpiece of this offense, no doubt. Um Let's just hope everybody in charge of all that remembers that as we move into the next couple of weeks. <laughs> I, I, I think this guy's – I don't see the reason why they can't have a good good passing game because, I mean, you look at the te- the players. I mean, and the, the, <laughs> the O-line's giving him more more time. It's not just about, you know, Spencer Rattler and his five stars and rocket arm. I mean, Austin Stogner had his best game against AM. So happy to see them target him 
on a vertical in a one-on-one situation because that joker can flat out go up and get it. Um, yeah. You know, Juice Wells is a – it's a – it is a – it is a it you know, he comes off the field on third down sometimes, which, which is amazing to me. I'm like, that's your best receiver. I, I, I will – I don't care what anybody says. In limited – he's had less opportunity because he plays less snaps than uh, than uh, Jalen Brooks and, and, and maybe even Josh Van. Uh, and, he, and he leads the team in receiving. There's a reason for that. There's a reason when he gets the ball in his hands, he's a yeah. big play waiting to happen. You know, and yet you have a press conference before the Georgia game, uh, before he gets no targets that, oh, we don't have a single play drawn up for him. Well, maybe go get to the drawing board, why don't you? You know, and, <laughs> and let's see. I mean, you know, you threw him the ball down the field, what, how many, three times, four times against Arkansas? He caught every one of them, had a 64-yard touchdown pass. Have we seen that again? No. No. You know, um, I, I just – I don't understand it. I, I don't understand it. I don't understand consistently giving him the ball close to the line of scrimmage. Get him down, get him downfield, let Rattler throw a strike to him. But I I think we all have hope for that. You know, I have my doubts from a operational standpoint on the offense that it will happen. But the good news is they're capable. And, and I think that this little stat yeah. – and thanks, thanks to Colin Taylor, by the way, from Gamecock Central for tweeting this because I swiped it from him. Yeah. Um, I think this is starting, you know, you, you want to look for, okay, so what is this player game in and game out good at providing for us? Uh, and I think clutch throws down the field to convert third downs in the game. I said eight out of 16. Uh, and, and I, I don't remember the Kentucky third down stat, uh, eight out of 16. It isn't shabby at all against A&M, uh, especially when you're in like third and 12 and you can convert that demoralizes as a, a defense when it's third and more than 10 and they complete it anyway. Uh, that, that can really, uh, that can really take the wind out of the sails. Um, defensively, uh, it's yet another team coming in. That's not ideal on the offensive line. Uh, Missouri's really struggled on offense this year. They, uh, they, they don't score a whole lot. They, they, they can run the ball. Okay. They have some good, they have one good receiver and Dominic Lovett. Uh, and then Luther Bolden is the, or burden is the uh, talented young freshman. They get involved in a lot of ways, but it's it's not the same uh, Missouri offense we're accustomed to seeing. Uh, I think this is a good recipe, uh, Jamie, because yeah. that's how you know taking advantage of beat up or bad offensive lines the last two weeks, really the last four weeks, uh, have been a recipe for success because Pickens, Birch, Gilbert, Edmund, Tonka Hemingway, Boogie Huntley. Yeah. All those guys, they're eating, man. They're eating, and, and Sherrod Green's playing well at linebacker. Brad Johnson had his best game against the Aggies, and it has allowed the secondary to play like it's capable, to shut down guys, to make interceptions, to make big plays, you know, that type of thing. Uh, so, so I think that so, – so your thoughts on that matchup, uh, Carolina D-line versus Missouri O-line, especially considering the game's at home now. People, people are forgetting this. Missouri hasn't had an environment like this since Kansas State. And that was a noon kickoff. And they got beat 40 to 12 and turned it over four times. Look, these guys, they should be good, you know. And I and you know, I mean, we've talked about this a lot this year. I mean, even with um with um Jordan Strong going out with his injury, uh, which was just awful. You know, it took some it took some adjusting and and Gilbert Evan is in there playing really well. I mean you know, I, 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 we've known all year what to expect from Zach Pickens, guys. I mean, Zach Pickens is going to be in the league for for a while. I mean, this kid, this kid can play. Um, Boogie Huntley, we've known now for a while he's he he can play. Um, 
Tonka Hemingway has just, wow. I mean, the guy is just, he's Eric Norwood-esque in the fact that he's just always around the ball. Like, things happen and he's there. You know, like the weird stuff that happens. Now, some of that is set up for him. You know, these crazy special teams plays and stuff. It's like, all right, um, that's pretty cool. Um, but, you know, I, I keep coming back to Jordan Birch. And, and I said before the season, my statement was, this defense will be as good as Jordan Birch will take him. Um, and, and I think at times this year, he has certainly had moments where we just expect to see more out of him, but I think we are seeing more out of him. I kept, he was so close all night, you know, especially early in the game Saturday to like, I was like, man, he's tipping balls. He's disrupting things. He's always there, but it's not that, that boom play just yet where you're like, Oh, you know what I mean? Where the whole place just goes, Mm -hmm. Oh, and I kept looking at my cousin and going, Dude, at some point in time, he is going to make a play that this place is going to catch fire because of. And I thought it was going to come, and he just missed it. It might come this week. I mean, Jordan Birch, I think, I don't know what, I don't know if something has clicked or if the motor cranked up. I, I'm not sure. I, I don't really know what it is, but we all know how 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 much ability he has. He, he's a guy, when, when you get him going, I don't know that there's many people that can really stop him. I don't know if anybody can, actually, in, in the league. And I hope there isn't anybody that can. So if he comes into his own, watch out. I mean, the whole defense is just going to be totally different. Jadeveon Clowney could change a game in a hurry. And I'm not saying that this cat is anything like Jadeveon Clowney. But you've got to have those type of difference makers in order to have a special defense. And, you know, so the linebackers, you know, the secondary, I think they've been called on some tic-tac stuff this year. I know they like to get a little handsy. But, I mean, I watch teams every week get freaking handsy with South Carolina. None of that crap ever gets called. Hey, the Cam Smith, the Cam Smith call was pile of horse crap Absolutely. right yeah and then you I compare mean, it with you know juice having his ankle dragged down on one catch and they don't call that you know exactly like, oh, yeah <laughs> i mean there's a difference in putting your hands on somebody and pass interference guys i mean mm-hmm. there, you know there's no rule that says you can't touch them it says you can't interfere with them you know and there's a difference there so um you know i i think that a lot of that's been petty and i and i've seen it across the league so I feel like they have put an emphasis on calling this, but they can't be consistent with it for whatever reason. Um, you know, but overall, look, guys, the defense, they, they, they are, they, you know, at the end of the game the other night, I was like, come on, guys, let's just get the damn thing over with here. Um, but outside I was screaming of that, at my TV, in this game. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was like, in just, in, just, just in the game. In the game, guys. But, but, with, but they've been opportunistic, opportunistic, and that's what it comes down to in – and I like these guys. I've liked them all year. Um, and the offense also, when they, when the offense gets clicking, J.C., Phil, y'all said it after the first game. If the offense can sustain itself, defense is fine. And um, when they put the ball through Marshawn, hands, Lloyd, uh, Lord, Marshawn Lloyd's hands and they create an identity out there, it, it, it's complimentary football. And the defense does what they do. And special teams has been special. Hey, by the way. JC, remember, yes, sir. sir, I didn't even answer the question before the season. JC goes, Well, I, you know, I, I'm getting this, you know, why am I worried about special teams? Yada, yada, yada. Remember, I, we said, Is Pete Limbo still the special Pete teams? Pete Limbo. Coach? That's, is, yeah. is Beamer still there? I'm not doing the next question. I, dude, I do that every single year. Like, I, yeah. I, I won't yeah. even think about special teams. And I'm like, Yeah, like Spurrier also always had a way while he was here. And Muschamp had great kickers, too. Don't get me wrong. Of just finding a kicker yeah. and it was okay. Uh, return game, block teams, all that. 
they were an adventure under Steve. You know, we all know that. He didn't really care. Oh, shoot, just go go put Scotty out there on the punt return team. He can, he can go cover punts. Can he? No? All right. Shoot. Poor Scotty. Let's go throw some passes. Come on, guys. You want to go throw steamers and mills? Uh, but uh, you know, uh, so so look, but I always he always found kickers. Now he was not gonna not have a good kicker. Uh you know, it, yeah. I, I don't know, but every year since then, even under Muschamp, I'm like, oh my god, what about what about the kicking game? Well, lo and behold, uh, I, I jinxed Mitch Jeter last week because I said he hadn't missed one, uh, but he made it. So I'm gonna say again, Mitch Jeter's perfect on the year. Ty Kroger averaged 50 yards a punt. That's been an underrated storyline. Yeah, uh, we have one of the best punters in football right yeah. now. Yeah, he's from right, right here in uh, Chicago land. He's from Lake Forest, where the Bears headquarters used to be in Lake Forest. That's where Ditka coached. Uh, I'm going to go up there and pay homage and bring him a beef sandwich in an old style after this. Uh, oh, and, but, he, uh, and he comes right after Joseph Charlton. I mean, these guys can boom it. Man. Yeah, dude. Yeah, Charlton was, was amazing. So, uh, you know, I don't know who they have behind them. But uh, next time everybody complains about signing a because they they tore Muschamp up for signing uh, Jeter and Kroger to scholarships. Yeah, how valuable are those guys now? Really kind of worked out. You know, but right. uh, we'll see now. Thank you, thank you, Will. Yeah, I think that um, you know, I think that yeah. Thanks to, to we need, somebody's going to send Will Muschamp a thank you card after this season. I think. Yeah. Um, you know, there's just a lot of guys he recruited that are. Really doing good things, they are. Uh, which is good because that lets Beamers recruits kind of Beamers ahead of schedule because of that. Uh, your thoughts on Missouri Saturday, real quick, before we let you go. Uh, I, uh, I just don't want to even think about what it will be like to contemplate a three, a four game losing streak to the Missouri Tigers when they're sitting there kind of they won the cellar dweller bowl last week against Vandy. Uh, I just think it would be a disaster. If uh, if the Gamecocks lost this game, I don't think they will. Uh, but I'm a little less confident maybe than I was the last couple of weeks just because of the matchup. What do you think? I'm not. Um, I, I think that this team is is getting comfortable in their own skin, and they're and they're getting confident. And and you know, I go back to after the 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 uh, the Georgia game. You know, coming home playing. Charlotte and South Carolina State and our hope was that they could figure out who they were and that they could get some bumps and bruises and feel their way around the field and figure it out look the offense is going to be the offense we know what works we hope to see what works um you know I tweeted out something in the first half the other night 17 14 it's directly at the hands of the OC I I, you know it's nothing personal but um but you know it's guys we've had every opportunity here to to put this thing away and put them out of their misery and we haven't done it to we've done it to ourselves by not doing it um and so you know it's just going to be what it's going to be we're gonna have to deal with it throughout the season with that said i have confidence in the players and i have confidence in coach beamer and i have confidence in the program um they, they they're they're learning to win guys they're they're not they're not where it was they're where they were used to losing they're learning to win and and they and they feel it. They can feel it. And this is this is something that we've been missing. This this attitude. This hey, we expect to be here. Um, and I expect them to win. I think it's going to be a, a rough, close game early um, because it's going to be. That's kind of how we do things around here. But magic will happen again on Saturday, and South Carolina will end up winning this thing fairly comfortably. They'll snap that streak too. And they'll head to Nashville Bowl eligible. Uh, yeah, one more thing. 
Satterfield, they asked him about Lloyd getting three touches in the first half. Sometimes I wish the, the New York media would, would, would be asking him questions instead of, uh, you know, ours. Because, you know, and that's why I don't, I'm, not, I'm not blaming the media. But he said, we ran the same plays we ran in the first half. In the second half, we just played with better tempo. No. No, you didn't. That's not what happened. And now, you yeah. did play a better tempo. I agree with that. And that's been two weeks running. That's been a trend two weeks running. But Lloyd only got three carries in the first half. He got 15 in the second. You didn't run that many more plays in the second. So uh, I don't think anybody's questioning the plays. It was, no. why don't you get the ball in the hands of your guy? So three, I don't know. Three, I don't three, know what the heck. Hey, three straight weeks. Three straight weeks, Coach Beamer said, I told Sat, give the ball to our best players. Well, maybe there needs to be a, a reminder before the game. Yeah, maybe we should tell him before we run out. There. Maybe we should play a banner, <laughs> play a damn banner over the stadium. Sat, get the ball to your bed. Reminder: Juice Wells is on the roster. But here's the other thing that, if true, is really bothersome. Did Satterfield just say he used his script for the first ten plays, regardless of the game situation or field position? And I would say, from what we saw in that first possession, the answer is yes. <laughs> I don't. I don't know though, because he said before you don't always get through the script. So I, I, people are obsessed with this script thing. Right. I don't think that's yeah. a big deal. I, I think. I think it's it's feel, and maybe he doesn't come off the script fast enough because he's not feeling it. Yeah. I think. No, well, yeah. I'm specifically on the inside the five because it looked like you know. I mean, you know, you've got Marshawn right. Lloyd. Why not give it to him four times? Yeah. You got four. You got four downs to get five yards. Uh, Brad Crawford uh, tweeted that. By the way, he's a guest tomorrow. He clarified what he said. And he wants to talk about Sat, so we'll talk about Sat tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. Nice. Jamie, thank you as always for joining us, my friend. It's always a popular segment. We love it, and we love you, and we love the Gamecocks here. And so we uh, we just – it's just a whole lot of love when you're on the show. <laughs> we appreciate it. Uh, certainly appreciate that. They will win this weekend. Go Cox. All right, bud. Thanks. Yeah, See you thanks, guys Eddie. later. And that was going to wrap us up on a Wednesday, Phil. Yeah, we're uh... – so Brad Crawford again. Yep, so Brad, Crawford. Brad's tomorrow. Who and Chris Phillips is tomorrow, right? Yep. Brad Crawford, twelve fifteen. Chris Phillips, eleven thirty. And then looking ahead, of course, we got Dave Matter with the St. Louis Post Dispatch. Going to come talk some Mizzou football on Friday before we hit Wando. Awesome. That's a, that's a strong group. That's a strong group. All right. Yeah, thanks man. to everybody in the Nana Sports chat box. I did not get to one of the mailbag questions today. Uh, but I'll get to it tomorrow. Send those in, by the way. You could be featured on the Big Spur. Uh, and be sure to check out the Big Spur. Everything else, don't forget Carolina Rise, all of our sponsors. And we got a couple more coming in, I think. A couple more, maybe three more sponsors coming in here pretty soon. So we're going to have to maybe think about a reformat. I don't know, because I don't I don't <laughs> think you guys want to sit through eight-minute commercial breaks. You know? No, we don't. We got to tighten up some of the ones I think we have already. Yeah, we'll right tighten now. some up and spread some out a little bit, maybe take a couple of breaks or whatever. And I, what I don't want is a show that there's five minutes of us talking and 20 minutes of commercials. There are some no, out there man. like that. And I feel bad for those hosts. Uh, anyway, for Football Next, JC Sherbert, everyone have a great hump day. It's been Inside the Game Costa Show. Talk to you very soon. <laughs>